Mm, good. I love to eat things that are lying under garbage cans. They're better than a doctor for fixing my broken body. Well, I guess we'll have to do better at beating your skull into the pavement then, won't we? There's 50 of us and one of you. Wait, wait, two of you. Four. four. World numbers change nothing. Unless, of course, we beat the crap out of all your wounds. But wait! For some reason, my fists, instead of aching from so much pummeling, feel stronger. Like I learned something from all the idiots I just beat up. I think you're right. Suddenly I feel like I could take ten blows to the head instead of just two. Oh, that makes perfect sense. So perfect that uh, I'm going to run away and fight you again later, when your strength advantage will be even more well overwhelming. Later. I say we don't even have to follow him. Let's sashay through the woods instead and beat up whatever woodland creatures get in our way. Here it comes, podcasting's finest few hours of gaming prizes. Action RPG fans, come on down. Final Fantasy players, come on down. Might and Magic lovers, come on down. And Disgaea fanboys, come on down. You are the first four contestants on the RPG Backtrack. And here are the stars of the RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Meekie. Polish your swords and prepare your spells. Your friends at RP Gamer got a story to tell. Are you ready to hear about your favorite RPGs? Because we'll be going back a few years in history. If you've got a backlog that is really long, we'll tell you what's right to play and what is wrong. we got RP Gamer staff on the mic to talk about these games for most of the night. So pull up a chair. We will give you no flack. You're listening to the RPG Backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack, your favorite podcast where we talk about your favorite RPGs from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. This is number 129, My Fist in Your Face, and I'm Phil Willis, and this is... Mike Mickey, and if you get the reference that title should bring forth, you get a virtual cool. Or a virtual experience point. You level up. da 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 but, but well, the virtual cookie will have been under a virtual garbage can, so you can experience all the, the lovely things that make food found under garbage cans strong. Mm. Well, you know, in some games, eating cookies from the garbage cans actually do give you an experience point. Whereas in real life, they'll just give you all kinds of nasty diseases and kill you. So if you, The lesson you need to know is if you find a whole chicken cooked underneath a garbage can or underneath a mailbox or underneath anything else that you knock over... It will be delicious and heal you fully. I want to see people who have crit- who have chronic diseases try this technique and see if it makes them better. Wait, maybe maybe I shouldn't actually. I should actually retract that. I I may come in for some serious abuse. 
we have uh, we have established that there is a strong disconnect between reality and what goes on inside the garbage can and underneath the garbage cans and video games. But to help us reconnect with reality is the one, the only, Mr. Michael Apollopoulos. Wow, that's a new one. What's up? What's up? Well, you know, Apps is such a boring name for a lad's name. I mean, most people have these really long, you know, hard to spell. But Apps, Apps is just so boring. We need we need I to know, make you... it beefier. A few more syllables. Apollopoulos, that sounds a lot more fun. It's, I know, it's so short. You have to, like, make it actual effort to like butcher pronouncing my name Ooh, i have got a really great idea you've just given me a really great idea for the next time you're on oh, oh no. yeah this is gonna be good yeah, <laughs> oh yeah inspiration can come from any source including the person with the name <laughs> but uh let us let us table that thought for now and let's talk about the games we are talking about a lot of games tonight, and they all have a common theme. We're going to be talking about River City Ransom, Guardian Heroes, Dungeon Dragons, Chronicles of Mistara, Advanced Guardian Heroes, and Coda Princess. What do they all have in common? Oh, I know. They all got vowels in the titles. Wow, Phil. Yay. You nailed it. Woohoo! That, that is that, that separates them from everything else we've ever done. Yeah, and see that is that is my five years of podcasting experience coming to the forefront. And, you know, three decades of video game playing. Bam! Right there in your face, boys and girls. The young people would have never picked up on that. <laughs> and you know what? We have an RP we have an RPG trek pit stop tonight. We're talking about Dragon Warrior Three as I continue my trek through the venerable series. And uh, both Michaels will be able to help me out with that. Yay! Yay! Listen to the enthusiasm in their voice. You know what? Mr. Apps is so excited. I'm going to take him for a side, let him calm down a little bit while you enjoy this musical selection. Welcome to our main event. Our main event is usually where we take one game or a series of games and we just dive into the juicy details of RPG goodness. But uh, today's games that we've chosen, they're not necessarily, a, uh, they don't necessarily form a direct series, but rather they're, uh, they're five they games. They have a thematic connection. They have a thematic connection. There you go. And uh, I guess everybody... Every long-time listeners of the Backtrack remember when I was relegated to using a phone years ago. It happened again, and I'll right. get into why. Right. Later on. Well, I can tell him. I can tell our listeners why because, as everybody who follows my blog and Twitter account knows, I've been playing Dragon Warrior Three. Mike decided, since he knew I was going to talk about it, to prepare to help prepare. He decided to uh, to 
break out his old Game Boy Advance, started playing little Dragon Warrior 3 himself, and it was like one of those scenes from uh, one of those 1980s, 1990s video game cartoon deals where the player gets sucked into the world. Next thing you know, Mike's stuck in the country of Alahan. So he's calling us live from the medieval country of Alahan, where our heroes start off with and you know start start off at in Dragon Warrior. So it, it's it's it, it, it might sound a little fuzzy here and there, but when you think about the distance between us, it, it actually is it's a remarkable piece of technology at work. I am very very thankful that this game is turn based because it allows me to talk to you at my leisure. Otherwise, I would be very very out of breath at the moment. Yeah, I mean, that's a really cool thing about the country of Alahan. When you're being attacked by slime or skeletons, they patiently wait for you to do something before they attack. So as long as... Like any of the games we're talking about tonight. No, no, these games are just the opposite. So let's dive into it and start off with River City Ransom developed... Oh, my goodness gracious. Technos Japan. Uh, this was uh, this was published in uh, North America by Axis Games. Uh, boy, there's a lot of names on here. This was uh, re- <laughs> this was released on the Game Boy Advance, Virtual Console, PC Engine, uh, CD, all kinds of stuff. This is a beat 'em up. NES, I think. Yes. Is there any? You know, NES is not listed on Wikipedia, and Wikipedia is all, always right. So no, River City Ransom did not it's, come out on the NES. It's listed under. It's it's listed there. Oh yeah, look at that uh, family yes. computer <laughs> slash NES. What the hell is slash NES like? Like the same cartridge that worked on the NES worked on your family computer. I, no, they were di- they were different cartridges. Then why in the why wouldn't they just list that as a separate let's do Wikipedia editing? Anywho, <laughs> uh, I was joking. I, I of course knew River City Ransom was on the NES. I had any NES. Uh, this is a beat 'em up open world action RPG single and multiplayer experience with an extremely deep plot. So let's get into the extremely deep plot. Of River right. City Ransom. Go ahead, Mr. Apps. Well, you see there's these two high school students, Alex uh-huh. and Ryan, and they have to rescue Ryan's girlfriend, Cindy, from the clutches of a villain named Slick. Wow. And you beat up, you beat up a bunch of dudes. Okay, so uh, talk about the, the different elements that this story explores. What are some of the plot elements? Mm, let's see, some of the plot elements. Well, there's punching. Okay. There's punching dudes. Oh, yeah. Um, did, did you ever feel like that punching the dudes was a metaphor for perhaps the inner conflict that's inside of all of us? No, no. I, I thought it was, you know, just about punching dudes. You know, wait, wait, wait. I, I think, could there be a theme of domestic violence? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever feel like, did you ever feel like that they were di- diving deep into bully? Bullying is a big, you know, problem nowadays. Well, it's, it's quite possible. I mean, there are systems in here where you could, like, get weapons and beat up dudes without weapons. Hmm. Wait, wait. Pulling unarmed guys. Could a system of this game have to do with the obesity that is racking our culture? Well, you do eat lots of stuff, because, you know, apparently that makes you completely healthy. Do you you feel like there were also strong themes of intolerance in this plot? Mm -hmm. Were your characters being intolerant against, let's just say, people coming on the other side of the screen? Um, Maybe being a little prejudiced? I would say so, but in all fairness, you know, they would, you know, beat the snot out of anyone that came out from the other side of the screen. You know, they didn't, not specific people, they would take on anyone, so. There's an old saying, you're not paranoid if they're really after you. That's and right. And in that sense, you are not really being prejudicial if you are fighting back against violence that is unambiguously directed toward you. 
not toward a member of any particular group, but you. Now, now you said that there was uh, that you could punch. Where where there are other things you could do? Kick. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> uh, do you feel that kicking was a metaphor for perhaps how we all feel like someone's kicked us in the nards uh, when we're when 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 someone puts us down or something or belittles us? Yeah, I could certainly see that. Okay. Wow. Sounds super deep. What about <laughs> jumping? Can we do that? Of course. Do you feel that that was a metaphor for how perhaps we can all, when we put our mind to it, jump and overcome obstacles in our lives? I would say so, because, you know, occasionally you could, you know, perhaps jump out of danger or perhaps jump and kick someone. So, you now, know. Now, do, do you feel the game forces you to do uh, these activities in a particular order, or are you pretty much left to your own decisions? Um, I would say this game is completely nonlinear because you can punch and kick in any order of your choosing. So you're essentially writing the plot and 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 diving into these very deep themes as you go along. That's, that's right. All right. Wow. Wow. Just who knew that there was so much depth in River City Ransom? I think, think so. But you might even be able to punch more than once in a row. Oh, uh, oh, 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 my goodness gracious. Whoa. Now, just, now, just absorb can, that for a moment. But can you wrap your head around this? You could punch with brass knuckles. Whoa. If you happen to find a pair. Whoa. Or purchase a pair. You know, that's like that's like taking a stand against the status quo and then and then just putting a line in the sand saying that you refuse to go with the crowd. It's true. It's true. It's the testament to the power of evolution. If people had been willing to settle for their bare fists throughout history, would we have come as far as we have? No. Someone once upon a time said, I will not punch you with just my bare fists. I will put something on top of my fists to make them better. You know, considering that you're practically building the plot from, uh, you know, in this open, not only open world, but open story making game, it's surprising that they even bothered to list beat them up in action on the side of the box. I should have just said RPG. I mean, you just don't get more RPG than this. It's true. I mean, all the all those action elements, they're secondary. Completely secondary. Yeah. I mean, shoot. Wow, even Skyrim doesn't give you this much RPG to play around with. Oh, no. Absolutely not. Hmm. Skyrim is completely inferior to River City Ransom in every respect. Well, I, I understand that on top of... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, except for arrows to the knee. Oh, hell yeah, that is classic. Now, now I understand that on top of the fact that you're building the plot with every move that you make and telling, weaving this rich story through these uh, through these intricate threads. Uh, there are other, as if that wasn't enough. There are actually more RPG elements in this game that, at first blush, might just look like a standard uh, Double Dragon ripoff. So, what are some of the other RPG elements? Well, it has been a long time since I played this game, but I know for sure that you can acquire currency and buy various things with said currency. I believe uh, perhaps upgrades to your characters, weapons, food to heal and whatnot. Uh, I think there's even like a whole segment in the game where you're wandering through a mall, not even fighting anyone, just, you know, buying stuff. Wow, I mean, that must really pull you into the experience. I mean... You know, a lot of times we're building RPGs, we forget that for the most part, these are, you know, uh, p- people who play computer RPGs are consumers. So what better way to bring them and really draw them into your world than to give them the power to buy things inside the game? Mm-hmm. It's true. And, you know, just imagine they could imagine 
if they remade this game today with microtransactions instead. Ooh, oh my! Oh my! Oh my gosh! You just, you, just, you just blew my mind, bro. You just blew it. Bam! It's gone. Wow. <laughs> we hope that people with the with the capability to remake the game are listening right now because <laughs> that idea well, would print money. Well, you know. I believe uh, I don't remember any details about this, but I believe someone was doing a Kickstarter to make a sequel. Woo! Get on that. Now, um, you know, um, uh, let's see. What, were there any other RPG uh, elements that y'all can think of? Don't you mm. get stronger by means of eating enough food of certain types? Uh, I believe so. <laughs> see, I, I really can't remember some of the specifics here, but. There, there was definitely something in that regard because I remember doing a fair deal of eating. You know, and so, oh, go ahead, Mike. Or I thought Minky was trying to talk. Oh well, I I could say that that is true to life because if you eat enough spicy things, your tolerance for spicy things will increase. Well, that must be the basis of this mechanic. Well, you know, actually, Mike, the scientific evidence between what you eat and becoming stronger is actually deeper, even deeper than that. Uh, this was scientifically proven uh, during the, um, what is it called, the PBS documentary. I believe it was called Popeye. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you open a can of spinach and just eat it down raw, your strength <laughs> increases by tenfold. It's been scientifically proven. It's right there on the... You know, the NPR network. It was awesome. It's a great documentary. Was that a, was that a Ken Burns documentary? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, just uh, it's just amazing the lengths that they went through in River City Ransom to tie it into real life. And that's a great way to really draw the player into the world when you use real-life elements like that. Uh, so, um, let's see, you know, I, I understand too that this, uh, that, uh, you know, it being an early Nintendo game, didn't, uh, didn't this game, uh, have a way to, to save your game? Uh, passwords, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Password, uh, I believe it's password protection uh, keep tracks of your stats, your skills, your possession, your money, and which bosses you defeated. Um, uh, and just like any true, you know, RPG, um, you know, one of the favorite parts, and you know, we're going to talk about Dragon Wars later on. Of course, is gambling uh, and playing the slot machines and such. Well, and 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 from what I understand here, you can kind of play the slot machine by just putting in random passwords and seeing what happens. <laughs> so hey, certainly, hey. How how many characters are these passwords? Oh, that's a good question. I, I I don't recall. Does Wikipedia have a magical screenshot to show us a password screen? Uh, oh, 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 you know what? If, 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 let me see here. Let me see. Uh, nope, nope. Just has a link to an article about passwords. Oh, Bill, <laughs> Wikipedia has fallen down the job. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed because, as we all know, uh, Wikipedia is the uh, premier source for every piece of information you could ever want about video games. Um that that's that's kind of um that's kind of evil but uh we're gonna we're gonna see if our good friends at uh google can help us out here uh it had about uh it looks like six dozen characters oh that all <laughs> mm. uh and and we're talking <laughs> upper letters lowercase letters and uh numbers and symbols uh, i'm sorry i don't think i heard you right did you say six dozen uh yes, because each line on here uh looks like it's at least a dozen characters and there's six distinct lines. 
So, um, yeah, whatever you do, boys and girls, when you're writing down your 72 characters, which include uppercase, lowercase, and symbols, don't mess one up. Well, you know, <laughs> thanks to me my... of Mr. Apps, you played Golden Sun, did you? Yes. Do you remember the password to transfer data between the first and the lost age? It, it was terrible, but thankfully, through the wonders of modern technology, I could just snap a picture with my smartphone and not have to write the whole dang thing down. <laughs> now, I, I know... Actually, actually, I think I eventually... I think I had problems with it, so eventually I just gave up and found my transfer, transfer cable because I happened to have two Game Boy Advances, and I just did it that way. Now, now I know this might seem a little bit of a minus, but I'd like to remind our audience that... When you're sitting there staring at a screen for 15 minutes, writing and double-checking every character, and later on, of course, you're doing the same thing when you're re-entering it, when you boot the game back up, you're really growing an attachment to your character. You feel like in those characters, you're seeing their life story unfold. It really is a beautiful thing. I'm tearing up just thinking about it. <laughs> Hemingway should have written a story on this. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. So, uh... Okay. Well, you know... I think one of the biggest, the best ways to put an audience right there into the situation, into the story, is to have villains who you can just immediately recognize and boo, because, damn it, these are despicable people. The, the villains of River City Ransom, I'm guessing, are some of the most rancid, disgusting, horrific excuses for characterization that have ever come across the video game industry, right? Hmm, mm-hmm. Did they talk? Uh, I don't even remember, to be honest. Well, words aren't ne necessary to establish villainy. Their actions and their appearance are all you need to go by, especially appearance, because judging people at first glance is what our society is all about, right? That's true. So, so uh, while, while we all appreciate this game... Um, definitely the first of its kind where you're essentially living the story not uh, not uh you know uh through these characters in a way that may or may not parallel let's say double dragon but with stats and stuff um and building those stats as you go along uh the uh, the japanese version of this game according to okra friends of wiki was considered highly successful and was followed by several spin-offs however outside japan river city ransom was not so highly successful um because of its gameplay and its unique sense of humor it's considered a cult classic uh which inspired parallel works later on down the road but uh but not everybody embraced this game right away uh the uk television program game master panned the game saying that they would quote rather sit in a vat of horse manure than play this game give it to your worst wow. enemies and gave the game a score of 32 percent whereas games oh, oh yes that sounds like 32 percent caliber right there i would rather sit in horse manure than play it that's 32 percent that's 32 percent <laughs> so then so then what would something less than that what would they rather uh, do play those uh, I... the scale was not used for that would would something even worse be i would rather sit in that has been lit on fire yeah, I'm a little confused as to what makes it 32. I mean, how did this not slip into 31% or come to 30? Anyways, Games Radar, on the other hand, ranked it the seventh best NES game ever made. Uh, the staff felt it was more memorable than Ghost and Goblins, Legend of Cage, and Double Dragon, 
and it, that is they feel that it is still influential today. I hate Ghost Gun Goblins. Hate that game. I know. I was about to say Ugh. that that wasn't a hard one to rank above. I know a lot of people embrace Ghost and Goblins. All I did uh, when I played it many many moons ago was use it as a frisbee. Here, Fido, fetch. Because <laughs> yeah, but but we're but we won't Wait, go into that. Rules and ghosts. Yeah. I got to the middle. I got to the boss of the second level, and then I said, "You know what? This is not worth the the capillaries that are bursting in my body." <laughs> so, uh, and that was the easiest of the of the ones on NES, Genesis, and Super Nintendo, right? Yeah. Was so, it? <laughs> any rate, let's so, so go into Makai Mura right now. So, what do you guys say? Do you say it's uh, it's a cult classic? Or uh, better left in the pile of horse manure that game uh, that uh, that uh, those uh, game master people are sitting in right now instead of playing it. Uh, definitely a cult classic. I mean, I enjoyed it a lot back in the day, and I don't think I came across too many people who didn't. So I'm actually surprised that it kind of bombed over here. Uh, but it, it seems uh, nowadays it's pretty much a, a cult classic. Um, How about you? Although, oh, go ahead. Uh, I, although I don't really have any desire to go back and play it, since you know there's a lot more advanced of that kind of game to play now. But you know, it, it was definitely cool for the time. Yeah. How about uh, you, Mister Minky? I actually never played it. Uh, Gasp. I know. I know. There's a whole complicated story here, being that I got to game on the NES a lot, but I didn't get to choose any of the games, and I ended up playing a lot of 1942 and Super Mario 3, but we didn't own River City Ransom. And at the time, I certainly didn't have 50 bucks lying around for me to go try NES games every week. And I don't actually remember it being at the local rental store, which was criminal, but I had to deal with it nevertheless. Well, uh, you can uh, you can experience this on your Wii through the Virtual Console Service, I believe, 2008. So uh, you can go and think, check that out and play a piece of history. I think it's also available on the 3DS Virtual Console. Ah, and uh, I believe there was a Game Boy Advance, right? Or was that just uh, yeah. in Japan? No, it was no, in North no, America. that came out here. A remake, sort of. Did you try that yeah. one? No, I. I actually didn't even re- know that existed until like a few years ago. You know, uh, you'll you'll be happy to know if you do give that one a shot. They replace the password. I mean, you'll be unhappy. They replace the uh, password yeah. system with battery oh, backup. No. I know, right? But but I want. But, oh, don't I, get to I love carrying a notepad and pen around. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, boy. I love sitting at my workstation while I play games making use of my work materials to take notes. Well, let's uh, let's fast forward a, a few years here and take a look at the next game on the list. Uh, Guardian Heroes uh, was developed uh, by... Tr- listen to the, the, the sounds mm-hmm. of joy. Mm-hmm. Got ourselves some Guardian Heroes on the docket here. Developed by a treasure company, published uh, by Sega. This was released on the Sega Saturn here in North America on January 25th, 1996. This is a hack-and-slash-beat-em-up action multiplayer and single-player RPG experience. With another very, very deep plot. <laughs> well, there is a plot. You are a bunch of people who have been looking for a mystical artifact, and you just found it. It's an ancient sword of some kind. And literally, before you are able to eat dinner after celebrating your find, someone bursts in screaming that the Imperial Knights are on their way, and you, it's time to fight them. So you beat the crap out of a bunch of them. And from there, you, run, you march out to the graveyard, and you find... 
an undead golden warrior who is actually the wielder of that sword you found, and he will just follow you around for the rest of the game and kind of vaguely follow your commands and kill things that you would wish you could kill yourself because then you would get the experience instead of the stupid undead warrior who can't use it at all. <laughs> um, and from there, you get to run into a whole lot of not very well translated people, at least not on the Saturn, and you get a lot of plot choices and you get to kill a lot of things and make yourself stronger and at the end of every level you get to see how many, how many stats you get to increase because you got stronger and you did I mention that you get to hit a lot of things because you do oh my you do do you ever and you know this is different than River City Ransom where you're hitting a bunch of you know kind of average looking 8-bit dudes these are glorious and wonderful 2D sprites there, there are some big ones too oh there are and there are a lot of sprites on the screen at one time, and the Saturn experience is slowed down, yes. But on the PlayStation, the thing would have freaking died. Oh, my the God. The PlayStation just not handle this amount of spriteage. And Ugh. you see some weird things. Yeah, you see some soldiers who, because they're done by treasures resident artists, have the unique look anyway. And you see some undead skeletons. But you see what looks kind of like uh, that... What the hell was that? Uh, the Zone Eater. That's what they called it in, in FF6. It looks kind of like the Zone Eater with a bunch of tentacles. Remember that green yeah. planting? In the... Yes. And you fight winged gargoyles and giant golems and several <clears throat> several interesting bosses who will, of course, demand your full attention. Mm-hmm. And, and you will fight enemies of multiple sizes. You will fight midget soldiers and you will fight midget gargoyles and you will fight giant dragons and other dangerous beasties. And did we mention it was made by Treasure? Because we don't get to talk about Treasure much in the RPG backtrack. It's true. I think that deserves mention because Treasure, at least for a long time there, was crafting some pretty damn good action. They were certainly a treasure. (laughs) Sorry. And if you play Star Heroes, then you get to experience the final boss of that game in one of the endings here. Yes, that's one cool thing about this game is there's a bunch of different paths you can go on depending on choices you make and whatnot. So there's a lot of replayability. Yeah, you you won't see even half of them on any one playthrough. You have to go through a lot. Yeah. I think some of them could get... I mean, your average playthrough won't be super long, but I think some of them can be, like, really long. Yeah, and some of the later enemies have a lot of HP or they're just really good at blocking your attack, so it's going to take a little while to take them down. Yeah. And, oh yes, since this is not like any other fighter or beat-em-up, uh, we have to mention the three planes. Yes. Uh, instead of, like, your normal full 3D movement, you kind of move left and right, but there's three different uh, planes you can switch between. Uh, yeah, you can make things quite like chaotic. Yep. And the enemies are pretty good about jumping between the planes when they want to kill you, and usually they do want to kill you. <laughs> oh, yes. This game can get quite hard. Yeah, you get nine lives on the normal difficulty, and you have to play it on normal, because if you play it on easy, it will play, it will pull one of those tricks that developers love to pull to <laughs> beat them up. You have Streets of Rage 3 here. Oh, you got far enough? Well, guess what? You're playing on easy, so you're not going to get to see the rest of the game. Play on normal now. <laughs> You're not a bad enough dude to see a real ending. No, here's here's the fake ending instead, where we just mock you and call you a weakling for not playing on anything but easy. <laughs> um, 
rocking music, I must say. Or Oh, yes. Actually, actually, I don't know if rocking is even the right word. I'd say more jazzy in some spots. Yeah, there's the kind of your standard battle themes are very jazzy and fantastic. Lots of saxophone, I remember. Yes. Uh, and okay, for the for the other RPG aspects, aside from a story that, well, Sega did not translate in the best of ways, but you can have some fun with that. It's it's kind of so bad it's funny. Yeah. Uh, okay, so how many playable characters are there? If you're playing the story, there there's four. There's a Han, the big buff sword dude. There's Jinjiro, the ninja. There's Nicole, the mage, and there's Randy. I'm sorry. Nicole is the priestess. Randy is the mage. Right. With and they all spells. play quite differently. That they do. Those spells can be really handy, but you're eventually going to run out of magic points, of course. Yes. But they can handle themselves in a physical fight if you make them. Because treasures thought ahead and gave you lots of cool things like blocking or timing properly for attacks to take advantage of when the enemies have stopped. Uh, and once you beat the game, you can get Serena, the the female knight who pops in to warn you that the knights are on the way at the beginning, and she's, I don't know, she's kind of a blend between everybody and pretty decent. But there's the multiplayer feature. Uh, yes. Go ahead, Mr. Uh One of the few games to actually use the multi-tap on the Saturn, um, you pretty much can pick, like, almost any character from the game... I think you have to, like, actually fight the bad guys, possibly beat them to unlock them, but, you know, you can pretty much get them all and just brawl it out, and <laughs> it's some pretty cool, chaotic fun. You don't get many three-on-three fighting games where each where six people are controlling the action. Yeah, definitely not. And, okay, the, the RPG stuff. Uh, you kill things, you get experience at the end of each level... You can use, for each level you've gained, you can increase one stat. And that means if you want to make your big ba- your big buff sword dude have a ton of magic points, you can. Yeah. If you want to make your priestess able to clobber things upside the head with your wand and make them see stars with each hit, you can. I, I'm not going to claim that it's an RPG-ish game in the RPG genre, but you know what? In 1996, you just didn't see this outside of RPGs. No, I mean, this isn't all that many years when, after we were playing, like, the, your basic, like, Streets of Rage and uh, Final Fights that weren't terribly deep. So, uh, yeah. I mean, even even if you're talking, like, uh, the game we just talked about, River City Ransom, it's a lot deeper than that. So, yeah, not super deep, but it really adds a ton to the gameplay. And you know, yeah. I, I I don't know how many times I replayed this. Played plenty co-op, uh, and it's it it's just really fun. I mean, I actually got to review the HD version of this, which yeah, yes, this game is thankfully not uh, locked away on the Saturn. Um, I understand that this new version even comes with a a, a better translation. It does, and. It even has online co-op, which worked decently enough from my experience. Uh, I don't, I don't give it a super high rating, but um, you know, it's uh, it's still a fantastic game even today. Even if you were to pick up the and play the original without any of the graphical updates or anything, it's still it, just a lot of fun to play. And that music, my God, that music! 
So good. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have at least one selection from this game in here because Treasure knows how to make some awesome music. Yeah. And we can't and we can't cover Darn Star Heroes on this cast, unfortunately. <laughs> Darn Star Heroes. <laughs> Take your pick. They're both awesome games, but only Guardian Heroes is covered on our site. Guardian Heroes. Okay, 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 okay. Check it out. Let's talk about practice. Right. So Guardian Ooh, Heroes. Ooh, one. This will be fun to Ooh, see. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. Uh, <clears throat> you got... Uh, well, now, how important is it to have it? And the story and stuff and the bad trans... How important is it to have it in And And um, what's the Sega Saturn region? Honestly, we should probably just say... Don't waste your time with the Saturn version and buy the updated HD version on although, although, Xbox Live. Oh, you can buy Saturn it on Xbox disc. Live. I should oh. mention, I have to mention the Saturn disc. It was one of those early CD-ROM games where instead of all the music being encoded on the disc, if you stuck it in your CD player, it would play the tunes for you. Oh, my God. Oh, that's right. Oh. Are, you, are you saying that I can pop pop my disc into my computer and pull the music off of it? Yeah, yeah, the I, old, uh, the old, the old disc. Yeah, my God. they had, I they had literal that. CD tracks music. They if were just... I was able to play that disc on my old crappy sound system, which has since been completely junked and sent to, I don't even remember where I sent it, but that CD player, which had trouble with so many other things, played the tunes from this game just fine on that game disc. Nice. It was rocking. Well, uh, let's say you don't have an Xbox. And uh, I don't remember seeing a network. It's uh, it should be there. It might be on Steam. Might be what I'm thinking Ooh, of. Ooh, now this will take me a minute. Uh, but it, let's just say you are just dying to have the Sega Saturn version. The cheapest one I've been able to find that has the disc only is fifty five dollars. You want it complete in the box? That's because those Saturn cases don't preserve well. No, they don't. They really don't. Uh, I found this out the hard way. They chip oh so easily. Yeah, I don't see Guardian yeah. Heroes on Steam. Uh, well, find any old copies? Yeah, yeah, but uh, but if you want to, now, now there's a game called. Let me pull up a game called Advanced Guardian Hero Boy Man, and that was only going for ten bucks. But then when I looked up the I saw one. So I'm um, take a shot in the dark and guess not a great. <laughs> well, Advanced Guardian Heroes is a very different specimen, and. Not as good as the original. I think we can agree on that, right, Mr. Epps? Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, Phil, I looked it up. Uh, it's Xbox Live only for Guardian Heroes. How rude. Yeah, I agree. That is rude. Is Silver Gun also Xbox Live only? I think so. Anyways, why pay for the Sega Saturn? Or actually, for as much as the Sega Saturn one costs, costs for a decent um, decent copy, you could actually buy a used Xbox, <laughs> you know, and, and just have at it. Uh, assuming as still long running, as Microsoft is supporting Xbox Live, I was on about the to say, yeah, is that 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 store problem? Uh, the 360, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, the Xbox One has been such a stunning state of sales smash that we know. The 360s network will go down fairly soon. Right. <laughs> uh, the uh, now uh, you know we we failed to go over River City uh, ransoms price. Well, because you can play the virtual ones on the. Uh, I didn't bother to look up, but uh, but we were uh, you know we did discover rivers rivers speaking of these games river ransom ex on the uh, Game Boy Advance. Uh, there is one copy. It's the game cartridge that I could for about 20 shipping. But of course, listeners of the RPG back tra- backtrack only did the best. They only want sealed, in the box, factory, brand new. I can grab that guy for ducks. Find and, any sealed uh, copies of Guardian Heroes, Phil? 
Oh, yeah, you know what? Uh, finding still copies of that is proving to be uh, a much more difficult task. <laughs> I, I would imagine so. Oh, our listeners. Oh. Yeah, and I, and I know that's going to upset our listeners because they absolutely insist on buying the most expensive. Now, I can find the complete in the box for uh, $96, but finding it in the shrink wrap like brand new, you have to keep searching for that one, boy. Yeah, you uh, really got to find that, Phil. I mean, who would want... You know, a copy that someone else has had their grubby mitts on. Yeah, that they took in the you shrink know, you need wrap. That, you need that pristine Guardian Heroes smell. Well, and you know, there's nothing like that that smell. Or better yet, maybe... Oh, oh, wait, wait. I think I found one. Guardian Heroes new sealed mint in the box. Uh, let me take a look at this photo here. It has... Uh, yeah, it, it's in. it looks like it's in a store bot. One of the cases they would put... Um, video game authority box. So it does look brand. You know, they slapped it in looks. <laughs> uh, and they only want six hundred ninety nine dollars, and it's plus oh plus twenty four thirty for uh, expedited shipping from uh, Arlington, Virginia. <laughs> so there you go. That is now. Now the problem is we've got at least at least three other people who listen to the RPG backtrack, and all three of them are going to rush on at the same time to go and buy this as a must-own uh, copyright. It's brand new in the box. You could just smell it. You break it open. Uh, yeah, that, that is... That. Um, oh, heck, this one guy is selling the box, man. You could just buy the... And then buy the man and put it in, in a plastic box from a store and sell it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Maybe we should take a break here, Phil, so that we can let people digest and yeah, go search yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, item on their own. While you're, while you're on there trying to see whether or not that $700 copy is still for sale or somebody else from the RPG Backtrack had snatched it up or not, we'll go ahead and let you listen to uh, some of that music discussing. We'll be right back. Time to discuss Dungeons and Dragons Chronicles of Mystara. This is developed by Iron Galaxy Studios, published by Capcom, released on the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, the Wii U eShop, and Microsoft Windows on Steam here in America. Anyways, this is an action beat 'em up RPG multi and single player experience. 
And uh, did I mention RPG? Yeah, it's totally RPG. This is, by the way, okay. boys and girls, I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons since I was a wee lad, and this is the definitive D&D experience. Serious? Oh. This is this is what Gary Gygax, Gygax when, he, when he first came up with all this stuff, this is what he really envisioned at the end of the day. He was just limited, you know, because back in the 70s or 60s or whenever he came up with the first version of D&D, um, and I forget what it was originally called back in the day. Um, this was this was this is what he really had in mind. I mean, boy, you just don't get any more old school RPG than running forward with your dwarf or your cleric and slamming the A button and beating the crap out of orcs and trolls and stuff. And they look like they're just lifted right from the books and and just beating the stuffings out of them. And, 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 and you know what you can also do? You can hit them while they're down, Phil. Oh yeah, and I mean that's really the icing on the cake right there. I don't think we had did we have that in the two previous games? Did you hit them while I you don't were think down? We did. I think that's a I think that's a more modern day development. <laughs> I remember being able to do that in the X Men arcade game, but surprisingly yeah. few of her games let me do that. Yeah, and they really should because it, it's it's a ton of fun. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, uh, shoot, you get to play all the... I, I recall playing this many moons ago. No. Uh, isn't this the same one that's in the arcade, right? Yeah. Okay, all right, because I played the uh, arcade version. Well, well, there's there's two different games in this collection, but, yeah, th- those were both arcade games. Yeah, and I, and I recall playing them both, so my memory's a little foggy about which one's which, and uh, it was years ago. I just remember being able to pick the classic classes... And I mean, like you had the elf. That was the class. Your class was elf. <laughs> it wasn't just your race. It was your class. Which, in all reality, he was basically your fighter, magic user, ranger combo. Um, you had a dwarf. The dwarf just hit things. That's what he did. You didn't have a choice to pick a dwarf cleric or dwarf this or dwarf that. There's a cleric, I recall. There's a wizard dude you can pick. Oh, and the ones, I remember them, but they were pretty anime influenced, weren't they, in their art style? Mm, uh, like, yeah, to some extent, but maybe not. Like on the character Probably. selection screen? Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking this is like, trying to, you know, I'm thinking like newer anime but you know, putting it in context of when these games originally came out, yeah, definitely anime inspired. The, the look for me was very reminiscent of uh, other Capcom arcade games at the time. Mm. Yeah, they, this yeah. game kind of gives me like a uh, what's the name of that game? King of the Dragons, King of Monsters, something like that. That also from Capcom. Yeah, I'm looking at a, a screenshot. Yeah, it isn't the this. I'm getting. I think I'm getting this slightly confused with the other arcade game I played, or something along those lines. I mean, I can see a little anime influence here, but not a lot. You're right. It isn't. Uh, it isn't what I was uh, thinking of in the back of my head. Um, yeah, it's more if if a Japanese studio just did a a redrawing of the D and D influences, but did not go overboard with. Yeah, it. didn't go overboard. The eyes aren't too big. Uh, depending on which version, I, I guess I'm looking at different versions here, um, or maybe it's from the uh, the one game or the other because you have the two in the collection. So I'm probably getting different screenshots here. 
But yeah, yeah. So you pick your your classic uh, fire cleric, uh, magic user, dwarf, thief, or elf. And uh, there are only there are only four of them in the first game. There are six of them in the second game. Oh, oh, that's right. Here we go. All right, all right. Now I see it. Dwarf, elf, fighter, and cleric in the first game, and, and then we're adding the uh, the magic user and uh, something else. Magic user and dwarf. Yeah. I want to say in the next. No, dwarf's in the first one. Crap. Thief must be thief. Yes, it's thief. Haha. So those were added in the second game. And uh, you move from left to right. You beat the crap out of stuff. Uh, as you beat crap out of stuff, you get experience points. You do level. And, uh, you know, I remember being just a little flustered in the fact, which was, you know, <laughs> maybe this was meant to feel like old school D&D where you never get to rest. But I do remember being kind of limited <laughs> in what spells, if you pick the magic users or whatever have you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you were kind of limited in how often you were actually going to be able to use that magic missile and whatnot. So you had to use those pretty well, sparingly, unless you're going to die. Based only on the Steam version, which is what I just played, uh-huh. uh, are able to use them. You have a certain number of charges, and you can use them. It's switching between spells that is a pain because you have to do it in real time, and you know the, the troll or the evil wizard might not be let, willing to let you leisurely walk along the side of the screen, selecting your <laughs> spell. It rudely hits you and stops that. Yeah, that that was in the arcade. Yes, yes, that's the air thing. You're not going to be sitting also, there looking through your bag of goodies while the dragon is breathing on you. <laughs> you can also throw things at the enemies, like arrows or daggers or uh, those pots of burning oil. And I wish I could have figured out how to use the keys, because there are certain treasure chests that you can't open without keys. See, treasure chests you have to open. That's D&D. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's treasure chest, and sometimes keys help, and other times you need rogues, and other times you just start beating it with your axe and see what happens. And sometimes they're trapped, and sometimes they kill you. It must be because I was playing the elf that I wasn't able to beat it open physically. Yeah, I, I, well, I'm, I, that's that's in pen and paper D and D. We've streamed that a little bit for the arcade. You either probably can open it with the key, or you can't. It's been a while since I played. I remember the. I don't remember the exact mechanics in the game for the treasure chest. But uh, you know what? Uh, so I, I will say it was really uh, for an arcade game way back in the day. Uh, very well animated, very pretty, very colorful, uh, and uh, and they try. I mean, it's a beat 'em up game at the end of the day. But they they did really try hard to. To cram some D and D stuff in there, aside from the experience points and leveling up and collecting some silver pieces you go along that you can use um, at some merchants in between chapters um, and the such. I remember at certain points no. you actually got to make decisions. Yeah. Yes, you get to choose between different paths, which totally oh, the, changed at the, the merchants. Fill at the merchants, you have a time limit. That's right. Get yeah. out of there. <laughs> Because arcade game, <laughs> yeah. Because it's, no, no, it's simulating real life where there's somebody standing behind you tapping their foot, wondering when the hell you're going to get out uh, in the store. Ex- excuse me, sir. I need to buy magical potions as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, come on, you need to hurry you up. Pro- sir, do not buy all of those silver arrows. I was going to give one to my son today. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. You're in the stores, and, and it really not. It really wasn't a lot of time either. It was. I I, I don't remember what it was, but it felt like 15 seconds. It was like, <laughs> yeah, you need to look it over. You need to make a decision, and you need to make it quickly. Um, shoot. Like if you get killed, you have to make the decision to continue quickly. Yes. Yep. Yep. So this one, this one does keep you keep you on your toes. Please the uh, what's that? Please insert quarters to continue. Yeah, or lose all of your experience. <laughs> Just like in real Dungeon Dragons, where the Dungeon Master's like, come on, pay up, or you're dead forever. Come on, you got five seconds. Come on, but I can't get my wallet. It's not my problem. Three seconds. <laughs> uh, good old ladies. And paying off your Dungeon Master to keep your character alive. Let me tell you what, that really drew you into the pen and paper experience when you had a DM who, when you die, just kept asking you for more quarters. And, and, you know, that that's what really drew you into the RPG experience back in the day. So, Come on, you, guys, we've been playing for four hours. You'll lose your whole character if you don't give me a quarter right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, and it, it um, uh, let me think here. So, yeah, there was the, the story was so deep. Something, something, save the world, dragon, something, something. And you made decisions at certain points. That totally changed the plot. Oh, Phil, Phil, the dragon was in the second game. The first game was the evil wizard Deimos. Oh, that's goodness. such a great difference, right there. I, okay, there you go. That—that's what I was missing he, out on. And he wanted to conquer the world. Well, who can blame him? He's an evil wizard, after all. Hey, sticking with the theme of the '80s, everybody wants to rule the rule the world. You, yeah, you should like totally play that while you're playing this game. <laughs> And and you know by the time the song is done you'll have almost beat the game because it wasn't very long either. <laughs> um, I got through it in about. Your characters an... talk, Phil. Yes. Your characters say all of one thing. Yes, yes, they do. Yes. When um... you Elf gets knocked down, she says, "I'm not done yet." But I'm, not, I'm sorry, that's not garbled. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, this is this is true. Um, so, what what was it? It was like I swear it was like an hour. It couldn't have been that long. I swear I breezed through this thing. <laughs> uh, is there is there, now, Mike? You played the Steam version. I played the arcade version. Uh, apps? Have you played these games? Yeah, I played it on the Wii U. On the Wii U. Oh, okay, great. So we've all experienced it through different channels or different platforms, uh, guys. Was there a reason on the platform that you guys were playing on to play through these games more than once? Mm. Well, let me let me rephrase that. Was mm. there? I know because I, I know Steam added like achievements and stuff. Were there compelling reasons? And I can tell you for a fact. For me, on the arcade, I played through them once, got it on my system. An hour was about long enough because after I've beaten the same guy with the same kicks and punches and shields and got over the ooh, it's D and D themed. Uh, thing uh, it was good for about an hour for each one, and then I was pretty much personally I was pretty much done, and I haven't felt compelled to go back and and really do it again to see if I could get I don't know. Well, yeah. me for me, I like going back to beat ups every now and again and trying out another character, and because they're so damn short, that allows me a lot of replay value that I don't get with longer games. Now later, yeah, later, later beat em ups. There is the theme thing. Okay, but uh, yeah, later beat em ups added other layers. So if you went back and played them again, you either kept continuing to level your character or you could unlock stuff. 
What does the Steam version do, Mike? Do you know? Well, it saves everything after each level, so I get to... I haven't tried going back yet, because it was... I have limited time now. But uh, it records all the items that I've gotten, presumably lets me keep my inventory from the end of the game, and lets me keep my character level. Uh, and, of course, there, it shows. It allows me to start from any level, which is not something the arcade would let you do. And though it, I'm not quite sure if it will only show you a level after you've gone to it or if it will in any way make obvious, here is the branch that you took last time and this is the branch that you haven't seen, so maybe you want to take that branch. Uh, I recall, um, I think it was the first game, Tower Doom, there's a point at which you get to either take the long way through the hills or take the short way, but know that there is a big fiery dragon in your path, and then if you choose to go the short way, someone will actually ask, are you sure you want to do that? Nobody has ever managed to touch that dragon and it has toasted thousands of people over the years. Something to that effect. And then it gives you an actual second chance to back up. So maybe that dragon is just really, really nasty the first time and you might want to be a little stronger before you tackle it. Uh, oh, and it, uh, of course it afforded me the option to name all of my characters with a 30-second time limit. <laughs> You're going to get some real great names with that kind of constraint. Hi, Becky the Elf. Sorry, that, that was all I could come up with was 30 seconds. Sorry. <laughs> Feel the pressure. I, I, again, I just think this is what Gary Gygax had in mind. I mean, I, 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 I imagine we're sitting at the table. How much more fun would D&D be if we were doing character creation? I'm just doing lightning rounds with the players. You have 30 seconds to name your character. Go. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, there wasn't really a lot of great arcade technology when, you know, D&D first came out. So, you know, this could really have been his dream, for all we know. Like I said, the definitive D&D experience. That's right. Oh, and you find a beholder in Tower of Doom. That's right. I remember him. He kills characters very quickly. <laughs> yes, the, the Beholder used a specification spell that you have to wiggle the joystick back rapidly in order to evade. <laughs> Which, if if we if Gary Gygax had joy, he would have done that rather than saving throws. Exactly. True. And so uh, the final boss... Uh, the final boss of the second game is... All right, are you ready for this? It's a dragon. <gasps> Is it in a dungeon? Let me think. Um, it's at the top of a tower. So the tower was a dungeon. That counts as a dungeon. Yep. That counts. Okay. We have dungeons and dragons confirmed. And you know, there are other dragons that you fight. The game goes on. See, otherwise it would be dungeons and dragons. See, we've, we've got to get the plurals for both. <laughs> yeah, and ironically, that was something about the old pen and paper games was it was actually pretty rare to actually encounter and fight dragons, even though they were in the title. That's true. Well, that's because if you encountered a dragon, 
then you generally had a dead party shortly thereafter, right? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't unusual for the dragon to breathe once and kill party members who failed their saving throw and critically wound the ones who did. That may be why most dungeon masters saved them until a special occasion. Yeah, like, for example, whenever he wanted to end the campaign. <laughs> Violently. Yeah, like, I've been at for eight hours. Here, let's, here's, a, here's the holy dragon, and uh, it, it, I'm not even going to give you its stats, because I'm just that tired. Here, it breathes fire. Everyone roll. <laughs> you all Everyone, failed. You're all dead. Y'all dead. The end. <laughs> Yeah, especially for, for wizards and stuff back then when they only had, you know, like three and a half hit points. Um, yeah, it's it's a little bit easier uh, these days to at least survive a dragon birth or two. Uh, anywho, we digress. Uh, this is going for $15 on Steam. But of course, our players deserve the best. They deserve the Sega Saturn Edition. Brand new, in the box mint condition from Japan. Of course, this will be a Japanese import. And uh, I'm seeing it go... No, no fresh Saturn games were coming out on the East Shores in 1999. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing uh, one here that says it's mint for 90... mint condition for $90. I got another one here. It says Dungeon Dragons Collection with OBI... OB? Uh, expanded 4 megabyte RAM set. It's got a big RAM cartridge here. And that's not that. Well, it's about as big as a box. I, I guess that was... Maybe that was like the um, uh, memory expansion pack for the uh, Nintendo 64. I, I don't know. Do but... you want to feel this, Mr. Apps, or shall I? What's that? The Saturn RAM cart. Oh, you can take care of it. The Saturn had a cartridge slot, which was normally just fine to put a a backup memory cartridge in because the Saturn's built-in memory was fine for most per- intents and purposes, but if you wanted to really save a lot of games, then it was going to run out pretty quickly. Plus, anyone who's owned, who's owned a Saturn will tell you that back that built-in backup memory, you're going to have to replace that battery fairly frequently. It goes out every couple of years. But in Japan, the four, the one megabyte and eventually four megabyte RAM cartridge gave the Saturn extra built extra memory at a time to allow it to handle really sprite-intensive games, mostly from Capcom, like this. And without it, you actually get a lot choppier. Of course, it would flounder completely on the PlayStation, but that's another story. So there you go. If you want to play on the Saturn, then you probably want that 4 megabyte RAM cartridge, or you want the... There was a pro-action replay, right, Mr. Epps? The 4 yes. one Yes. That wonderful, wonderful cartridge that would enable imports, act as a RAM, and allow you to do backup saves. It's pretty great. It's pretty much everything you need. And that eBay will not allow you to sell legally now because someone somewhere protested against unlicensed products. But, gosh, that, that sounds like another digression. Anyway, <laughs> you want to play Dungeons and Dragons Collection on your Saturn? You're going to need some means of increasing the RAM, or else it's just it will be pretty. I think it's funny. Four megabytes. Ah, wow! Like one photograph I take today is more than four megabytes. <laughs> ah, 
Anywho, uh, that's what our play. That's what RPG Backtrack listeners deserve, and they can have it for only one hundred eighty dollars plus fifteen dollars shipping. And it comes right from well, Osaka, Japan. Well, you know, Phil, I think the HD collection of these games actually came out on a disc in Japan for PS3, so that might be a cheaper way to get it. Nice che- and cheaper. And sealed. What? 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 Cheaper? Oh, come on, Mike. Come on now. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. Thank Continue. you. Continue. All right, just get the Steam version, boys and girls. I want to say it's on the PlayStation Network and stuff too. Yeah, it's on pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah so that's definitely... when it comes to releasing stuff. Although I should mention, this is clearly the translation Capcom used in the '90s for these games, so do not expect great things. <laughs> you have been warned. Do not expect this text to be. Anything other than Capcom fighting game style of the '90s. <laughs> right, right. Don't let the don't let the uh, <laughs> the license fool you there. It, it's very loosely connected with D and D. But you get to cast Magic Missile. That's I use Magic true. Missile yeah. a lot. Whenever I can get it. All right, so yeah, rush out and and grab that, or just do what I did. I, I put it on. A, I'll probably grab it on the next Steam sale for like five bucks. It retails for fifteen. Um, so I'll wait for a Steam sale, a Capcom Steam sale, and, and grab it for five bucks and do another run through with the uh, with the more advanced graphics or whatever they've done to yeah. achievements and I, all that other bull. I, I think it's a nice historical piece because I yeah. believe the artist that worked on these games is eventually ended up in uh, Vanillaware. And making the somewhat similar Dragon's, oh. Dragon's Crown. So ah, love myself with some Vanillaware games. Uh, yes. Let's uh, let's move on now to uh, Advanced Guardian Heroes, developed by Treasure, published by Ubisoft and Treasure. Uh, this was released on the Game Boy Advance on September fourteenth, two thousand and four. A single player co op beat 'em up game RPG. RPG, yes, I forgot to mention RPG. Ish. Ish. Game. Game that wasn't as good as the one we talked about before, even though the name is very similar. It actually has kind of the same logo. Almost, except it has it a bit of a in it. It is definitely not a remake. It is a sequel. Sequel. Yes. And, well, uh, okay. A very uh, weird sequel. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Here, I want to be as nice to it as I can, even though I'm not going to be gushing with plays like for the original Dark Heroes. It's for the Game Boy Advance. Which, let's face it, for a beat 'em up, you've only really got two buttons to work with. The shoulder buttons are just too hard to reliably press. It does interesting things. Uh, that you're, you remember, Mister Apps, how the mechanic where if you can just right to parry the enemy strike, then you can immediately counterattack. Yes. That's something you just don't see in beat-em-ups much. Uh, definitely not. It's usually reserved for more action-intensive games. And you need to use it in the final battle, where you actually need to have really good timing. Although, if, if you flub it... If, Early, then you just get to keep trying over and over. But if you flub it late, then um, the world blows up. <laughs> the, the final boss is shooting some gigantic 
death thing at you from orbit, and if you don't carry it right back to him so that he blows himself up, then um, you, uh, you you fail and the world is destroyed. So slightly higher stakes than the usual beat up. Uh, story. All right. You play as, uh, did you even have names? There was the red guy, there was the green guy, and there was the blue guy. I don't remember. They never said anything. I know this, they had no dialogue. They're just told, uh, go, here, go save the world. And that's what they do. They, they punch and kick and beat the crap out of things. Uh, the, the three plane system is gone. You move along like the standard beat em up. And as you kill things, you get crystals which you can use to pump yourself up or to acquire other characters. Mm. And this I remember, I played through this thing at least a dozen times, maybe because it was because I had a lot of boring lunch breaks, probably. But I unlocked a lot of characters and. and to do that, you really need to use crystals to unlock things instead of improving yourself. Which sounds uh, problematic. Can be. You, there's some skill required, yes, but GBA controllers and... Oh, man, I, rem- I remember this thing having tons of slowdown. And it wasn't the fun yeah. kind of slowdown like a either. No. <laughs> but as part of the... Okay, i got to say it. This plot, I it's sometime hundreds of years after Guardian Heroes, and according to lore, this is actually supposed to be the midpoint where this world will eventually become that of Gunstar Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got that's a few weird. Battles. Got some ships floating in the sky, and there's there's a sequence where you're jumping from rock to rock in midair, which isn't as good as it should have been. Um, and yeah, there's a there's a menace trying to do something evil, and Ubisoft translated it so horribly that I'm honestly not sure what was going on. <laughs> there are things like. I am Nicole. I have been waiting for you. And then she fights you. That is... <laughs> yeah, you fight all the people from the original Guardian Heroes with similarly incoherent statements about why they're fighting you. And you have to put the crystals in in order to play them in this game. And, you know, it has some good music, I want to say that, but this is one of those games where the G- the GBA hardware just makes it sound horrid. The sound quality is wretched. Yeah. Which is a shame given how good the music was in the original. And these are still some strong tunes if you can listen through all that horrible static and uh, awful compression. But it's a challenge, I admit it. And there are six distinct levels. Um, let's see. So there's the, the kind of bland inside the flying battleship one. There's one on a moon in space or something. I, <laughs> there's definitely one where you're fighting aliens on a alien world. I 
see how well I remember this game, even with all I played it. <laughs> but it is not a cookie cutter game. It is not something that I have forgotten, even though I haven't played it in years. And for being the first direct sequel treasure ever made, I think it deserves some kind of landmark, even if it also said that direct sequels treasure makes are probably not going to be as good as what came before. Uh, yeah, I'm having to rely completely on memory here because I am, as Phil mentioned, not in a place where I can easily research anything. Well, it's just uh, bottom line, sounds like not really something people want to rush out to do. Despite the no. fact that it's only selling for 12 bucks, there's probably a reason why. You can probably get it for less than 12 bucks if you look. Yeah, probably, but why would you want to? I have a sealed copy I bought for 5 bucks. And it's 5 bucks you'll never get back. <laughs> Could have bought a sandwich with that. Uh, but oh well, maybe, maybe the market will take off someday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually listening to y'all talk uh, about the ones I haven't played. I'm just a little disappointed that there's no easy way for me to experience the first one because I'm not going to get an Xbox and I'm not going to get a Sega Saturn. So yeah, <laughs> it's so. it's a shame there isn't a Steam version uh, or PlayStation well, I'm Network. I'm very disappointed in you. I know that if you wanted to, you could just go buy a Saturn and Panzer Dragoon Saga right now, and you'd have a game that you would remember forever. All you have to do is be willing to be with about 400 bucks or so. Yeah, you know, that's it. That's as much as a PS4. Yeah, exactly. No biggie. No, no big. No big. Um, so let's, let's move forward. Let's, uh, let's move to something, uh, from this decade. Let's, let's, uh, let's see if maybe a princess can help us out. We're talking about Code of Princess, developed by Akatsuma Entertainment, published by uh, Atlas here in North America, released on the Nintendo DS, October 9th, 2012. Nintendo 3DS. 3DS, my bad. Uh, this is a beat-em-up, hack-and-slash, action, single-player, multiplayer, RPG experience. And it has a princess who has very strategically placed armor. <laughs> yes, she's... She remarks upon that. People remark upon that several times, and she never really has a good answer. She just says something like, uh, it, "But it, this is how I like to be." You know, most women do like to wear nothing but steel bikinis. I think, if you ask them. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't. If you, if you, Chase. Surely would surely would like nothing better than to walk around in a steel bikini all day, right? Exactly. That's that's actually she was saying that the other day. <laughs> so uh, this one has a little bit more of a story, right? I don't re remember what it is at all. Something something uh, saved the world. Something the, something. <laughs> the princess has been thrown out of her kingdom and she meets a, a ragtag bunch of people to help her go conquer the menace that is threatening it. There we go. Princess Solange. 
And yeah, I, I remember the thief. Uh, the thief was a, a thief. Yeah, that, that was. <laughs> See, she was such a memorable character that I can even remember that it was a she, which you totally gleaned from the artwork, right? Mm-hmm. What's her face? Is Ava Vivi? You started with a V or a Z, this thief's name. Right? Uh, don't remember. I only remember beating up dudes. Lots of dudes. Lots of I don't, I don't remember very well up. animated dudes. They, they were very well animated, all right. It's true. I remember mm-hmm. up lots of mystical creatures, too. Yes. Oh, and some, some ninjas. There was a... Oh, yeah, I remember a funky ninja who had a very interesting speech pattern that, of course, I can't research right now, but he was... He stood out. He was a goofball. I couldn't play as him because he was a villain, but... <laughs> oh, well. Nah. Okay, yeah, story. That, that, see, this is, this is a great world-spanning narrative right here. <laughs> In a world populated by humans and monsters, Princess Solange Blackshafur de Lu is exiled from her home kingdom of Deluxia after it is attacked by monsters, and the royal family is blamed for the attack by the Distran army. Armed with the sacred blade De Luxcalibur, Princess Solage sets out to find the cause of the monster's violent behavior while also avoiding the army who are looking for De Luxcalibur. On her journey, she meets several people, including the female thief Alababa, zombie-like necromancer Lady Zozo, Bard Allegro, martial artist Master T. Decorin, blind samurai shooting star Desukage, business-driven cat Marco Neko, and warrior nun-sister Helga Hell, Wilhelmina, Zozo, Suka, Sakasage, and Master T join Solange because they feel drawn to Deluxe Calibur. Zozo oh, Master also, T. Yeah, Master T. Zozo also explains that she isn't currently in her real body, but rather created a body for herself because her real body was stolen. Solange and her team eventually learn that Destrin's leader queen Destiny is behind the monster attacks, and then fight the generals of Destrin, which include Ninja Baku Japonaji, a former acquaintance of Ali, Sorcerer Alchemia, and General Liongate, who is actually Solange's brainwashed brother, Swartz. Dun, dun, dun! I could go on, but I really don't see the point. You kill stuff. I I, rem- I remember Zozo now. I remember Zozo being kind of slow. Yeah, kills. Zozo with the pink-haired thing that was clearly stitched together from body parts because of all the, the stitch marks, you know. It, it wasn't like her body parts looked like they all belong to the same body. No, that, that, that couldn't be. So with uh, with this with this game, there was more you know there's more depth than let's say River City Ransom, right? You had like the different characters all handled differently, and didn't they have combos and such? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Uh, this game plays a bit like Guardian Hero- Heroes, actually, which because it actually had some of the same people working on it. 
Would you would you would you say it was deeper than that in Guardian Heroes? Um I'd say similar. I don't recall anything being much deeper than that. Okay. It's been a oh, while. I don't the remember. The thing I remember was being able to select the level you wanted to play, which yeah. you couldn't do in Heroes, but as for how it actually played, no, it was pretty much the same. Maybe, I, know, yeah. I know you got like combos and stuff. It was a little smoother, I guess, because 3DS could handle the sprites a bit better than the Saturn. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you could throw it. I don't remember the top sprite count I saw, but I never saw it cut and slow down at all. So, um, and I remember, so in the, in the, I remember being able to do like combos. I, I don't want to say they were, from what I remember, and I played it when it first came out a couple of years ago. Um, so I, I don't remember all the, well, it wasn't a couple of years ago. Gosh, it's only been about a year and a half. But it had combos, but it wasn't as smooth as, let's say, Street Fighter combos, quarter circle punch. But I want to say there's like ways you can release fireballs or do whatever skill, you know, through those things. And and I and I I remember feeling a little frustrated because I had some problems pulling off. Like I would keep going to the menu that would show me the moves, and then go and try to do them, and and I wasn't always successful in pulling them off. Did, did y'all run into that? I remember the moves. I. Those were also in Guardian Heroes. If you wanted to, play, to cast magic, it was often faster to pull off a Street Fighter-style move than to go into the magic menu and hope nobody would attack you for a while. Yeah. Then And then you also had, uh, I think, did, weren't you also, when you were in the, so you're you're moving from side to side, like, let's say River City Ransom or any of these games probably. <laughs> you're moving from side to side, there's bad guys on your left, there might be bad guys on your right. But and usually you can move up and down and in in like uh, I didn't play River City Ransom, but if it's like Double Dragon, sometimes that would be part of your strategy to move up or down just a little bit and get off the same quote unquote line as the enemy. But here there were three distinct rows or lines, right? The the background, the middle ground, and the foreground. Is also, it... like Guardian Heroes. Oh, so yes, that's a Guardian absolutely. Heroes thing. Okay. Yeah. So that would be part of your strategy because if you saw a bunch of monsters coming at you on the road you were at, you could circumvent them a lot of times by just pressing, I think it was pressing up twice or down twice or something like that and you'd jump up to the other row and then you could run behind them or something. So that was kind of cool. I think one of the neat things about this game when I played it was the fact that you could pick uh, in a lot of the boards, I can't remember if you were limited on certain boards or not, but a lot of the boards you could pick which character you want to go in and play and fight with. So, I should. I remember Victor said this on our boards that uh, we apparently, since we were going to talk about it tonight, we didn't mention much about Code of Princess last time, and he is right. If you try to take somebody who you haven't tried yet into a later level, then you either need to have the reflexes of a deity, or you get to see yourself getting splattered in the pavement repeatedly because the levels matter. They matter a lot. Yes, that's a very great point. Uh, this is an action RPG with the emphasis on the RPG, you know, grindy side of it. Though, so if you suck at action, A, you're not going to have much fun with it, and B, 
you're not going to get very far either. You kind of need to move and have some timing down. Yeah, I don't think you can just level up five extra levels and think you're going to waltz it and, <laughs> you know, just stand there and take a bunch of hits. <laughs> well, you could try, and then you could show it to everybody and have them laugh at you. We, we would like, we would laugh at you, too, if that was your strategy. I mean, you could do that in regular RPGs, you you, you know, if I'm playing Dragon Warrior, for example, and I know a dungeon has a bunch of level 20 monsters, I could, if, if I, I could take the time and level up to 25 or 28 or whatever and pretty much power my way through that dungeon without much sweat, but it doesn't quite work that way if you don't have any reflexes. Um, or you're at least not using some, I wouldn't say you need to have lightning fast reflexes as long as you're leveled appropriately, but, uh, you know, you can't just sit there and let, you know, 10 of these guys gang up on you. You'll pay the price pretty quickly. Um, interesting. Uh, I thought I thought the graphics were really cool. And I felt that uh, I liked the uh, the 3DS because you did feel like they popped in and out a little better as you were going between three different lines. Uh, I think I felt it was a, not the best use. It wasn't like uh, Mario 3D Land level of awesome 3D-ness but I, I felt like it was better than some of the other 3DS games I played and making use of that 3D and making it feel somewhat valuable did y'all like the 3D? did you even t- play with it turned on? I, I did play with it turned on it looked pretty nice uh... how about you Mike? I'm trying to remember I remember trying the 3D saying that looks pretty cool, and then I remember also saying, this is not the kind of game where I can easily keep my eyes in just the right spot for the 3D to work. Yeah. Well, supposedly, uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but uh, as most people probably know who's listening to this and keep up with the game news, they they, they are, you know, they announced a new, new 3DS, uh, uh, and uh, we expect it to come out to US. They, they, the announcement was I think officially for a Japan release but uh, one of the improvements on the newer 3DS is better viewing angles from what I understand yeah because you definitely have to hold it at right angle um so I I do like the uh, the artwork I do like the the character design uh but the the gameplay like I mentioned before it just felt a little rough to me I I I won't say that the game instantly kept me for super long. How about you guys? Did, did you did you find it a compelling experience? Did you get through and beat the games? Or uh, it, I mean, I played it for a good amount, but you know, nothing super long. Uh, but it was fun while it lasted. So, uh, don't think it grabbed me as much as the original Guardian Heroes did, but uh, it, it's definitely fun can't really say there's anything like really wrong with it or anything how about you Mike I remember at the time I was uh, in an action game drought and I was really glad to play this thing because you know every now and again you just want to play something where you beat the crap out of everything in your path without having to think about it and I got through the end pretty easily I think that was about when I turned out the review for our site and I remember playing several areas more than once because you actually open up additional stages as you keep playing certain things that are initially just a little narrative cutscene that 
you can eventually play through, I remember. But I didn't go through and do everything I possibly could because eventually I did start to say, why am I bothering to level everyone when I'm not going to use everyone? And I, I wish I could remember my clock time right now, but it was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 hours total. And for this type of game, that's not a bad accomplishment, honestly. No. Uh, it's not a bad deal either. You can grab it for about 20 to 30 bucks, depending on where you're looking and, and the such. It hasn't gone down on on price a, a whole lot since it came out, uh, but it's a it's a it's to my to me, uh, despite its, its drawbacks. I'm glad I have it in my collection. I gladly you know if I lost it or something, I I you know I'd pay another twenty bucks, thirty bucks to have it back in my collection because I think um, while it's not compelling enough to sit there for me personally to sit there and and play it for the thirty or so hours it would take to beat it because you do I think you do have to especially if you're playing multiple characters you're gonna have to spend some time grinding them up. Uh, to get them to the levels that they need to be at for the later boards, I'm sure. But I do, I do. It's one of those games I like to go back to because it's a beat 'em up, right? Sometimes, like you said, Mike, you got that itch to go play and go beat stuff up. But having the RPG elements is, and um, to me, that that's that's a pretty compelling idea as opposed to just playing a, a straight double dragon or whatever. Well, I do like to go back to Streets of Rage with frequency. But uh, I, I guess I'm a demographic. So, so he, you know, when I think about these type of games, uh, you know, as we get ready to kind of, kind of wrap this up here, uh, there's there's a, a couple, there's two other games that come to my mind when I think about side scroll and beat 'em up, and we probably talked about them on another RPG backtrack or a future one. So I don't want to go into the detail of these two other games, but uh, it's relevant to a question that I have for the two of you who have a deeper uh, or have a, a wider experience with more games. Uh, Dragon's Crown uh, came out not too too long ago from Vanillaware and Atlas for the uh, PlayStation Three and Vita. And then you have, um, speaking of um, Vanillaware, whatever have you, but we have, uh, I think it's Vanillaware, that does Odin Sphere. Now, I don't think Minky's had a chance to play Dragon's Crown. I don't know if you've even gotten around to Odin Sphere yet. I played half an hour of it on Fred the Machine last summer. Ah, and how about you, Apps? Have you played any of those games? I've played Dragon's Crown, yeah, and uh, quite like it a lot, especially the graphics. And did you play Odin Sphere? Not really. Okay. Fortunately, although obviously I also think that's a good-looking game. Oh, it's so purty. Oh my god, it's just so so purty. Um, it's it's Odin Sphere. That is coming with the massive caveat. Once you see it in motion, you get to see how how much slowdown the PS2 can have. (laughs) You know, but but for me in that particular game, a lot of times when the slowdown I mean, when the slowdown happens, it's almost 90% of it is happening during a big boss battle and you're glad it's there. Now, there are times where it gets ridiculous. uh, So I'm like, okay, sigh. But it's, it's so, it's relatively rare. It's not like it's constantly plaguing the experience and getting on my nerves. But they, uh, there's one boss fight in particular. It's like, really? It's like a frame every three seconds, really? Uh, anywho, um, so with, with, with for those, uh, of course, there's also a, a Miramasa now that I think about it. And you all play Miramasa? Yes. 
Okay. How about you? Play you, that game. Play that game. What about you, Mr. Minky? I have not played that. Okay. So with your experiences and what you have played, you can't possibly play everything. There's so many games in the side screen, even in just in the action side scrolling RPG genre, sub genre, sub 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 genre. There's there's such an array of games that not, none of us have played all of them. Uh, what are your from order of number three to number two to your number one? What are your favorite action RPG side scrolling action beat 'em up RPGs that you would recommend to, to other people? Um, starting with your number three, and then going to your number two, and then going to your number one. And uh, since I sprang this on you guys, I'll I'll kind of I'll kind of go first. And this has kind of put me on the spot because I just thought this question thirty seconds ago. <laughs> but it's such a it's a, it's so interesting talking about these games. We might as well make this the the time that we actually mention what our favorite ones are, what we do recommend after talking about all of them and uh, whatnot. So I really would have to go with. I would have to go with Dragon's Crown for my number three. I really like the graphics there. It's very pretty on the Vita. It's just beautiful and gorgeous on the Vita. Um, then I would have to go for... Wow. It, it's really close, but I think I would go for um, Odin Sphere next. Also a super, super gorgeous game. I felt the gameplay was a little bit better for me anyways. I found it a little more compelling. I felt that they had more deeper mechanics that... I can see people flopping either way on because you are growing a lot of fruit and stuff to level that speaking of feeding your characters to make them grow um, you know that there was a lot you would actually spend a lot of time just growing plants and mixing potions yeah <laughs> to make your characters some people view that as the, uh, some of the friends I talked to is like oh that's a huge negative uh, for, for me the fact that it slowed down the pace a little bit and I, ha- I I kind of enjoyed that so and then my last my last one which is my number one is Muramasa uh, super super gorgeous and super fun and super fluid and just a great great mix of beauty and beat em up and RPG mechanics and the leveling up and you're picking between different skills on this tree or different weapons or something like that so there's a lot of choice there the world is big feels somewhat open ended even though I, th- I think it was a wonder I, I, but I remember being able to choose where I could go next um and uh, that's a that you know what people are saying no, not enough games for the maybe there's not enough games for the Vita but there's certainly a lot of good good games for the Vita and that is one of them and mm-hmm. I can't believe I can't believe it was a free freaking download I bought that game on a cartridge and I don't regret it but if you're a PlayStation Network Plus member you got the bloody game for free on your Vita. Uh, it, there's just that is like someone just coming up to you and handing you a hundred dollar bill, and if you didn't download it and get it onto your PSN account and play it, you might uh, that's like somebody handing you a hundred dollar bill that you just threw away because that shame game, on you. That is shame <laughs> on you. I mean, people are paying fifty bucks, sixty bucks for some of the most shallow, stupid experiences that are out there, and that's why I say this game is worth a hundred bucks because it is is a beautiful, gorgeous, well made, and a very fun experience. Uh, that epitomizes, in my opinion, a great marriage between the RPG mechanics and the and the beat 'em up. Um, married, w- I mean, and it also feels like you're playing uh, playing artwork. It's just that beautiful. Anyways, I've had enough time on the mic. Let's see, what are your top three, Mister Minky? Well, all right, I guess I'll put Odin Sphere in there. Uh, we, you know, we had that show uh, several years ago now where I went into the problems I had with Odin Sphere, and they are 
considerable, but it was an experience that I'm still I can still recall pretty strongly right now. Number two, I'd love to say Streets of Rage three, but number two, Code of Princess, because I did have a lot of fun with that game. Mm. And number one, talking about it right now, (laughs) Guardian Heroes. Guardian Heroes rocks, man. I, you know, I believe you, Mike. I mean, just listening to y'all talk about it again, I kind of, I, I kind of half regret that I don't have one of those systems that could support it. I could go back and, and give it a shot and experience it as well. Sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds, and uh, you know, just if sounds. You got like, a three hundred and sixty, Phil, then you could go play Lost Odyssey, Tales yeah, of Vesperia. No. Uh, uh, don't I have that uh, on another system? Vesperia. What else is on the 360 exclusive, Mr. Epps? Blue Dragon. Okay, oh. no, no. <laughs> bad. No, I'm not Blue buying Dragon. it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because Phil needs to have poo snakes in his life, right? Uh, yeah. You could play some Halo. Play some Halo. Oh, you my could, God. um, Fable. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's the well. That's a selling point. That's right a there. that's Able. it's I'm a selling point as much. in you want to sell it. You don't want to hold on to it. Three sixty exclusive. Enchanted Arms wasn't an exclusive. No, no, but you wish it was. So it wouldn't come to my system. Oh, you can you can play the backward compatible Sudeki. That was exclusive to your Xbox. Ay, ay, ay. All right. Hey, Mr. Raps, how about your yeah. top three list? Uh, I'm going to go with Dragon Crown, Dragon's Crown for number three as well. Uh, it's really nice, uh, fun, you know, action RPG beat-em-up. I would uh, say, I would choose Dragon's Crown if I had more than half an hour with it. That's just usually not enough time to form a good opinion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's some things that I don't like about that game, which is why it's not above my number two, which is Muramasa, which is just a gorgeous, gorgeous 2D action slice of awesome. Hey, did we mention uh, it's gorgeous? Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. I, I don't know if we mentioned I, that. Did you know that I bought this game three times? You know what? I well, I bought it twice and then I downloaded it once <laughs> from my PSN account, so uh, it, it has a permanent home on my Vita now. So even if well, I, you know, have another game in there and I'm on the road, it's always there on the on the memory stick. Yeah, but uh, so you can play the original Wii version, which had a bad translation. Uh, actually, I think my wife bought that Right, that me. came from Ignition, uh, right? What's that? Yes, yes. The same people who gave us the lovely Archive Fantasia translation. Yes. Well, at least this one doesn't have any English voice acting, because that would have, yeah. That would have yeah. killed the mood. Yeah, but yeah, once that came out on Vita, I obviously pre-ordered the cart, but once I realized how small the download was, I just said, you know, whatever. I'll buy the download, too. <laughs> so, yeah. Really, really fun game. Uh, and the the Vita version actually has additional DLC, uh, so it's got even more to it. And 
did did I mention that it's a really nice looking game? Uh, I think gorgeous, yeah. but you didn't think nice looking. Yes. Yeah, I think you mentioned it, but you failed to mention that it's a very beautiful game. Yes, and the the battle mechanics are really really fun too. Uh, you know, making new swords, uh, switching between them on the fly. In fact, the system kind of forces you to switch in between between them on the fly. So, uh, yeah, yeah, really like that game. And my number one would be Guardian Heroes because I still love that game, and it definitely has the best music out of all three that I've mentioned. Cool. So that is your definitive list. You guys have lots of action RPG uh, side scroll action beat 'em up side scrolling RPGs now to go and pick from. Go out and enjoy. There's a lot of fun to be had, and, and you know, for me personally, I, I'm glad we had this uh, we had this episode because I mean, those action RPGs, they just those side scrolling ones, they just fit to fill that nice little niche. Like uh, like you said, uh, I could say Mike, and we reply to both of you. Like you said, Mister Minky. Uh, it's just sometimes, you know, in between these 40-hour epics I'm doing, you want to just take a break and play a little beat-em-up, you know? So, pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, all right, we're, uh, we're going to take a... Oh, go ahead, Mike. Sometimes it's just more fun to hit things than to talk about it. That's right. Well... See, nobody likes to talk about the UN because the UN just talks and usually never does anything. And I probably shouldn't go any further than that, or else I'll verge on politics. And oh boy, here come the complaints. Here they come. All right. Well, while you guys are writing your complaints uh, and our official mailbox for complaints about all of our politically incorrect statements that Mr. Mickey makes, uh, Mr. Mickey makes is wheels at rpgamer.com. No, no and, not uh, anymore. And not uh, anymore. so just write to that email address and uh, and uh, somebody will take your complaint and react appropriately. Um, we'll be uh, we're just going to take a little break so you have some time to write that. Listen, let you listen to some cool music some writing music and we'll be right back to move on to our next segment Welcome back, and this is why that special new segment, the RPG Trek Pit Stop. The RPG Trek, in case you don't know, because we've only done it once or twice before now, is a little journey that me and a few of my friends and my brother-in-law 
uh, we're doing this trek together. We are we are currently going through the entire Dragon Warrior Dragon Quest series, and uh, we have a little calendar. We have a little website. There's uh, more information available on our forums, and we'll give you our forum address here towards the end of the show. And I'm actually uh, keeping a kind of like a blog of my party's exploits as I'm going through each one of these games, as well as doing uh, full written reviews on each one and sharing screenshots and box cover art shots and any other wallpapers and stuff I can find my hand, my little paws on. But it's a full, it's a full trek. We're just diving headlong and we're asking, and we're asking the question, is this still fun? And of course, uh, you know, how's it relevant to today? So, uh, this is, and then this segment is where I kind of verbally go over some of this stuff. And both of my friends today have also played this game. So we get to reminisce together and um, let's see here. And we call it the pit stop because that helps you keep on track of the whole racetrack theme. We have our RPG backtrack. So there you go. Dragon Warrior 3 developed, re- really? Developed by Chunsoft? What about Enix? Well, it's published by Enix. Who's Chunsoft? I think that may be the remake or the, the later version. Yeah. Because the original version. I don't think Chunsoft existed when the original version was made. They may have. I remember an Enix screen coming up, but when I first played this way back 82 years... No, wait, I didn't play the uh, third one originally. Um, I, I, okay, we're going to... We're whatever, Enix. Like, okay, Chunsoft but, was founded in 84. Okay, Chunsoft, Enix... Who, okay, one of those guys. Flip a coin. <laughs> this was released in, <laughs> in Japan on February 10th, 1988 and in North America on June 12th, 1991. The Super Famicom version, which is what I played, was only originally released in Japan on December 6, 1996. I played a fan-translated version. Whoever that team is, awesome job. I'm going to have to look them up and drop them a happy note because um, just didn't experience any bugs, and the Super NES version was absolutely gorgeous. Um... Uh, you know, again, keeping in context of its time and stuff, but uh, very well animated stuff. I'm very glad I got to do that instead of the uh, NES so, version because I played so the NES version of four and it wasn't nothing to look at. You're not suggesting it's as gorgeous as Muramasa? No, no, no. This is a different. This is a no, no, no. <laughs> not even in the same ballpark. This is a 20 year old gorgeous as opposed to Miramasa, which is a modern day gorgeous. You know, Miramasa. I'm sorry, it's just so gorgeous. I, I just, you know. I just have to point out, it's so gorgeous. It, it is like the epitome of two... People say 2D gaming is dead. They need to go back and play Muramasa. <laughs> and you know, one thing I hate is all these retro remakes and stuff where they keep doing the graphics in 8-bit design with 8-bit pixels. And I have to start wondering at some point, are they just being lazy? Because when you look at Muramasa, that has great gameplay. Some people might think it's a retro gameplay because it feels a little bit like some of the old, you know, retro platformers slash beat 'em ups or whatever have you. That could be kind of considered a retro game, but but it's gorgeous. You can make beautiful, gorgeous retro games, people. Seriously. Anywho, uh, back back to the subject. Um, this is uh, this is a uh, single player RPG experience, and uh, so. Gosh, geez. So we talked. I talked before about Dragon Warrior One and Two. Dragon Warrior Three is actually a prequel. It actually tells the story of these lands before One and Two happen. And I think what was really funny was after I beat the game 
and it says Phil is known as the hero of all time or whatever, the hero Loto. You know, uh, Loto is the word for hero, which is funny because that's kind of the name of the hero of the first game. Um, but uh, anywho, and it's like to be continued in Dragon Warrior One and Two. <laughs> <laughs> that was so freaking. I took screenshots of all of that, and again. We'll give you some details at the end of the show about where our boards is at, but you'll be able to see screenshots there and links to my blog, which will have a lot more screenshots. Um, lots of screenshots. Very pretty game. Very pretty. Not Maramasa pretty, but pretty <laughs> in its own right. Uh, so, yeah. Maramasa was not feasible on the Super Nintendo, I think. No, no. They could have tried, but it would have gone really, really slow, maybe. <laughs> lots of slow... Di- no, I'm just... Uh, so, yeah, Dragon Warrior 3 is set many, many years before the original uh, Dragon Warrior game, and it's in, a, it's in a separate, different world, at least for the most part. Um, <laughs> so, something, something, bad guy Baramos is threatening to destroy the world, prophecies, and you're the, you're the uh, hero that's got to go and, and go, go stop him. Uh, you're summoned to the castle. The king gives you the challenge to follow in your father's footsteps, which I actually found the story of the father to be more interesting than the story of the hero because every time I talk to somebody about my father, uh, or I talk to, I would say every time I talk to an NPC, I had like a one out of four chance they were going to mention something about my father dying in a volcano. Oh, we just saw him. Oh, you just missed him. And if you ever watch the old cartoon series Jace and the Wheeled Warriors, uh, you know, I know I'm really digging deep and showing my age here, but it was the story. It was a stupid story, but it was a story about this this young man with this party of people in space fighting plant monsters, and he was always trying to reach his father. His father had one half of the solution to stop these bad guys. He had the first half, and so he was always trying to get together with his father so they could put the two halves together and and stop all the evil in the in the cosmos, uh, these plant evil plant creatures or whatever have you. But the father was always just out of reach, always just out of reach. And that's what you're kind of doing in this game as you're talking to people. Oh, you're, you're you know you look just like that guy who was just here. He was a little older than you, you know that type of that type of stuff was going on constantly as I was going uh, from from town to town. Um. So, uh, so you, you. One of the cool things is towards the begin, really pretty darn close to the very, very beginning of the game. Uh, unlike Dragon Warrior Two, where there's two other people who join your party as part of the story, here you get to create your party, a la Final Fantasy One almost. Uh, you get to pick from numerous classes: fighter, gladiator, or barbarian, whatever the hell it was called. The fighter without armor, uh, rogue, merchant goof off which is uh, like a clown he just kind of every other round he just picks his nose or trips and hurts one of your party members which is really not fun um cleric and a wizard later on you can get the advanced class the sage which has access to both the cleric and the wizard spells but doesn't level as quickly oh it gets to wear the cleric's armor so that's a bonus uh, but doesn't level as quickly. There, in order to get that advanced class, you have to find this book in this tower. So really, you can only change one character to a sage normally. But in an interesting, ironic twist, any a clown or a goof off, or whatever the hell they're called, can turn to a sage once they hit level twenty without the assistance of the book. So you can. There is that way to get more than one sage uh, in the game. Um. So it is pretty cool being able to pick the classes and being able to round out the party the way you want. One of the interesting things is once you hit level 20, 
you can change to a different class. Um, when you change to a different class, it cuts all your stats in half. So you might start off with 10 strength. By the time you level 20, you have 100 strength. If you reset your class, you're going to be down to 50 strength. Now, this seems like a great way, I guess, if you kept resetting your class since you level quickly in the low levels, to build up your stats. Even if it's having it, you're still coming out ahead, it seems like. But I found out the hard way that the game averages out your stat or, or, or fiddles the averages of your stats to where you're going to end up at the average for your class as you level up. It's, it's just going to roll the dice that way. So if you're ahead on strength already because you reset your class, uh, suddenly when you level up, you're not getting any more points of strength. It's strength plus zero, strength plus one, instead of the typical strength plus four or five for a fighter. So it's going to average out to where it wants you to be at anyways. This is a problem. I, this, so this is one of my first gripes with the game. I really, really dislike games with class systems and things like that where they don't explain things to you. Because when you play Dungeon Dragons or you play any other role-playing game with, with deeper class mechanics, there's pages and pages that explain to you how the things work so you can make somewhat informed decisions. It's never completely informed because you don't know what challenges you're going to face and you don't know really which of these options are really going to be the best. But at least they give you something to work with. And Dragon Warrior, it explains to you in the instruction manual that at level 20 you can reset your classes it exp- I think it ex- I don't even know if it explains to you that your stats are halved that's not really the big whoop that's not even the rub the rub isn't even the fact that it average it forces down your stats to where you're going to hit the average you know as you level up anyways that to me isn't even a big deal but what's interesting is that your hit point and your magic point increases are tied into whether or not those the, the relevant stats go up at the same time if, for example, your wizard levels up and their wisdom score doesn't level up for whatever reason, let's say you just changed your class and your wisdom score is already too high so it doesn't want to give you any more wisdom, then your magic points don't go up. So what happened was I built a goof-off, understanding that the goof-off could become a sage, but then when he switched to sage, his wisdom, I guess, was too high or whatever the deal was, but he wasn't getting any magic points. And by level 10, level 12, he was a near useless sage because he had a shallow pool of magic points. Evil. That makes Phil rage. Thankfully, Phil, you know, saved a different save file and went back and just restored it and decided that that jester was going to then turn into a rogue who quickly leveled and turned into a merchant who quickly turned into a barbarian. One of the, the, the big advantage of switching, so you're saying why switch your classes then, it seems like, you know, that's just going to put you behind on the level curve. No other benefit since the stats average out. You get to keep the spells and or skills from your previous classes. And this is really helpful for Rogue and Merchant, who each have really kind of cool, unique skills. Uh, they're not game-breaking. They're not super awesome, but it's cool to have them in your back pocket. So, and they have lower experience tables anyways. So I quickly leveled that Jester. After I got him to 20, I leveled him as a rogue to 20. I leveled him up to 20 merchant after that and picked up all those spells and then made him a barbarian. So he's basically a barbarian with, with rogue and merchant skill spells. And, uh, and, and barbarians have low experience tables too. So he caught up with the others, give or take a few levels, um, you know, by the end of the game. And he had a lot – don't ask me why. This guy who I could not get to get magic points to save my life had – maybe because he was barbarian, but he had enough hit points to just take a licking and keep on ticking. Um, so anywho, that's my little rant on levels and stuff. Uh, I figure – I ended up having to figure – when I got frustrated with the uh, whole clown jester class changing thing, 
I found out the I went and found an FAQ that explained to me all the exact mechanics of leveling up. So yeah. Which brings me so the second kind of gripe. Well, what happens? So as you're going through the story, you got you, the king sends you on your journey, and at first it kind of tells you to go from point A to point B, very similar to Dragon Warrior Two, and then eventually, very similar to Dragon Warrior Two, uh, you'll get a ship and you'll go out and explore the world. Now, the, the up until that point, Dragon Warrior Three is impressing me on a number of reasons, especially because it's a Super NES version. The graphics are gorgeous; they're a huge step above even the Super NES uh, remake of Dragon Warrior Two. Whereas that Dragon Warrior 2 remake feels like an early SNES game. Think about the differences between Final Fantasy 4 and Final Fantasy 6. And you have the basically the essentially the difference between uh, Dragon Warrior 2 and Dragon Warrior 3's uh, NES, SNES remakes. The battle graphics, so gorgeous because they have animation. A lot of really great animations. The enemies attack, very smooth, very fluid. And I, and I was just thinking to myself, wait, when did Final Fantasy finally introduce enemy... Uh, animation attacks, attack animations. Final Fantasy Seven, right? Seven. Yeah, because six they just blinked. Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. It's two D crap. This one they now great. You don't see your party because it's like a first person perspective. I gladly change not being able to see the tiny little Final Fantasy sprites of my characters to be able to see bigger enemies that are fully animated. I can watch them fight all day. I love it. Um, it gives them so much it gives the enemies so much personality um, so that was really really cool and it didn't feel like all the dungeons were out to kill me the only thing for the first third of the game that felt like it was a bit of a cheap death shot are the bloody treasure chests which I mentioned before on a previous podcast and on twitter stupid can of boxes can of box instead of cannibal get it it's the box that wants to eat you and it it sounds familiar, yes. Yeah, the bloody things will kill... They, they introduce them at, like, a level 12 dungeon. And a thing hits you for 80 hit points. It, it's instant death. So I end up taking a lot of trips back to town. Anywho, that gripe is... Uh, that, that's just a minor blip. But what happens is, very similar to Dragon Warrior 2, so after you get your ship, the whole world opens up to you. Now, taking my time, understanding it's an old-school RPG, I'm trying to put myself a little bit into that mindset... I took time to sail around the world, level up, discover all the cities. I took notes. I talked to people. I did screenshots of what they said. So basically that was my version of taking notes. And and I got the first three orbs, no problem. I can't remember if I got the fourth orb with no problem. But at some point between the third and fourth orb, I hit that brick wall of I don't know where the hell to go next. I spent more time going back to all the cities and trying to explore more. And I was chewing up a lot of hours, and I have this uh, – with my RPG Trek, we do have deadlines of when we either have to finish the game or call and quits and move on to the next one because we want to get through the Dragon Warrior series in a year. So I was kind of coming up on that deadline, and I finally broke down and read the read the fact. And, and in reading the fact, I was like, is this something I could really figure out? Is this a, clues that I, a clear clues that I missed or whatever? And there's so many NPCs. It is possible that I missed a few clues. Um, but yeah, it, it really was starting to remind me of my frustrations with Dragon Warrior 2. Once you get all the six orbs... Uh, now, with that being said, uh, as you're going through these different cities looking for clues and discovering the different orbs, I have to... Uh, one of the other great improvements between 2 and 3, 
a lot of the cities feel different. A lot of the towers, the dungeons, they have different designs. There's a town that looks like it's from the Orient. There's another town that feels uh, more uh, medieval. Another one that's completely destroyed. The dungeons feel different. One's a pyramid where you're constantly working your way up, but the bottom floor, you can't use magic. Another one's filled with all kinds of pits. Whereas Dragon Warrior 2 just felt like it was one masochistic murder fest after another, uh, trying to always confuse and get the player lost. These different dungeons each felt like different challenges for the most part. Uh, I did enjoy the variety of settings and the such. Once you get the six orbs together, then you have to find the Sword of Gaia to get through this volcano that that half the people think your father fell in a volcano, which was hilarious. You slice the volcano in two with the Sword of Gaia, the ultimate revenge against the volcano that purportedly ate your father for breakfast. Um, and, and then the lava pours out and it cools off in the river and makes a new way for you to go. The, the Sword of Gaia, my brother and I could not figure that one out by ourselves. Um, each one of us just threw our hands up at the air at some point in that particular quest line and, uh, and trying to figure that out. So yeah, the further we got on the game, the further it started to remind us of old school Dragon Warrior trying to get you lost. Maybe if you did have 90 hours to sit around and press buttons to search everywhere or or you managed to pick up on all of the vague clues left by the NPCs you could piece this together. Love to hear your comments if someone got through this game the first time without looking at a strategy guide. So you get the... Uh, that would be from people who played it on the NES. Yeah, yeah, maybe. back. I think many well, of our listeners played it on the Super Famicom version, which didn't see a translation for years after. But I mean, the NES version, you you probably would have used the Nintendo Power magazine. That's how I got through Zelda. Um... <laughs> But I've I've heard of people beating Zelda before without a hint guide. I don't know about Dragon Warrior two or three. So yeah, if you beat two or three without a hint guide, even back in the day, please let us know. Uh, write in our comments. We'll we'll tell you how at the end of the show. So uh, get the sword. Oh, I'm sorry. The six orb is after you get the sword. Slip the volcano into. Grab your last orb. You go to this. Uh, you go to this shrine uh, that you would have found just by walking around. You go to a shrine, put the orbs on the shrine. You get a phoenix. Phoenix allows you to fly to a castle that's surrounded by mountains. And uh, that's where you fight the final boss. Well, you think it is anyways. Barabos or whatever his name is. You kill him. You go to the first castle. You start off the game at. People are celebrating. It's all super exciting. And you think it's the end of the game. Spoiler. You're listening to RPG Backtrack. Get ready for it. It's not. Half the people in the town dies. Big lightning bolt strike down. Say, ha ha, I am the true evil, and I'm eating your people for breakfast. It wasn't too hard for me to figure out where to go next. After that, I kind of figured out there was this big, huge pit beside the castle that I could not access before. So there were some clues that I need to go back to that pit. So I go back to that pit. <clears throat> you fall down, and and you're, you're, you fall through the earth. It's like you get into this middle earth, and... And there's a person there saying, hey, we were expecting you. I don't know, maybe here at a prophecy or something. And my father told you to give you this boat. Well, well, that's awfully quaint and convenient. So trying to avoid looking at FAQ, I took the boat and started sailing around and found out that I was on a, an entirely different world that I, my minimap did not work on. And it was huge. And uh, and my patience was running thin because, my, like I mentioned before, the clock was ticking. I did spend some time just wandering around, again, navigating, but without a mini-map of any sort, 
I'm like, you know, I wasn't going to draw a map by hand, so I was getting a little disoriented because of the sheer size of the place and the fact you can't really take the boat everywhere. Um, I visited a couple of towns, got uh, a couple of more vague clues. The world shroud, this world is shrouded in darkness. People are in despair. Uh, it's getting colder. Plants are dying. Uh, it actually is pretty, a little bit on the touching side. Well, I finally broke down and read at FAQ. Realized that there was a town close to where I got the boat at, but I didn't see it because my natural instinct was to go south rather than go east. Had I gone east even just 10 tiles or so, I would have probably seen the beginning town I was supposed to go to, that the game maybe wanted me to go to. Instead, I went off on other directions. When you go to the town you're supposed to go to and you search everywhere or you talk to the right person, whatever the deal was, you do find a mini-map for that world. When I looked at the mini-map for that world, I instantly recognized it, and that's where some joy came back into the game. It's the freaking map from Dragon Warrior 2, or 1, 2, 1, 2, 2, 2, 1, one of them. It kind of blurs together now, because 1 is actually a smaller part of 2. Anyways, it was really cool, because I'm like, oh, wow. And a lot, by the way, I forgot, failed to mention that, but a lot of those, not only the themes and the story kind of ties in together, but magic items and the such. And in fact, you're playing through this world all over again from the second one, and basically a game inside of a game. is It was pretty cool, of course, with much higher level monsters and the such. What wasn't cool was still no clue where to go next. There were several dungeons, several towns, talked to lots of people. There were some clues given, and some of those clues were helpful. But at the end of the day, I, there was a couple things that – there's one – like, for example, there's a magic flute you got to get to release this one prisoner who in turn gives you something that you absolutely need. The flute, I didn't see any direct quotes telling me where – or clues telling me where that flute was at. But duh, it was hidden in a very similar place to where it was hidden in the very first game. I, even though I had just played that two months ago, I totally forgot where that damn flute was hidden or that it existed or to even look at it. Even though I was right in the same town that looked almost exactly the same as it did in the first game, it would have been just a simple matter to go and test it, uh, to just hit the search button there and see if I could find the flute again. Sure enough, it's there. Um, at one point, according to the FAQ, I don't know if this is a required item or not, but to get the sort of light, um, which the FAQ seems to infer is needed. At this point, I'm just going all out of FAQ because I just really need to get done with the game. Uh the you have to you have to follow you have to you have to find this one item which I actually had in my inventory so it must not be too hard to find and then you gotta sell it to a certain guy and the, 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 the basically this guy does say he's a repairman but the item in your inventory is not broken sword it's omni omnicrom or something along those lines maybe it's a translation issue I I just had no idea that that whatever got through that. <laughs> got through you go to the castle just like you do in the first game the castle's in the same place where the bad guy is at or the second game well both actually and the castle's there and you go and you beat him up again and this time he's guarded by three this guy's guarded by three minions that you have to beat Mega Man style in succession four bosses in a row and uh the fourth one will kick your arse if you don't if you haven't grinded up to like 40 so go grind before you hit him up um, it's another one of those Dragon Warrior twists, and it's definitely a Shimigami Tensei twist, where uh, where you think you're doing great in the game, and you beat up everything and all the bosses with no problem, but the big boss is easily five levels above, you know, everything else. So, yeah, you have to grind. 
Um, so, yeah, Dragon Warrior three. What did what, so that that was my experience. How how was y'all's experiences? Mickey, Can I go to stretch. <laughs> Meh. Is about the sum of it. Just meh. Uh, I think I would have enjoyed it when it originally came out, but you know, uh, nowadays, just uh, especially the Game Boy version, which feels kind of cramped. Uh, just too much wandering around trying to figure out what the heck to do. Not enough fun. How about you, Mr. Minky? I remember getting away with the class system. I, I don't remember how much time I put in. This was the Game Boy Color version, too. Uh, finding it pretty interesting, but also finding it clearly a descendant, clearly a game from the time when you were expected to just wander around and bump into things and hope that they were, that they were the right things. And I can't remember why. I mean, it's been 13 years or so since I played it, so my memories are not fresh. But I recall just getting kind of frustrated at... I had just changed classes on a couple of people, and they got murdered, and I think I swapped something else in, and... I did not get anywhere near as far as I could have, and one day I will go back at the rate Square Enix is remaking these things. We'll probably see a new version of the first three Dragon Quest sometime soon, and if it's anything like the versions that we got of 4, 5, and 6 on the DS, then that'll be something to celebrate, I'd say. Yeah, uh, my, you know, looking at my review for the second one, I pretty much said, with the assistance of a guide, I enjoyed the experience mostly for an understanding of its place in RPG history. However, outside the rose-colored glasses of a time, I cannot recommend this game to friends. Without a guide, even great note-taking and prolonged patience will probably not allow most RP gamers to overcome the arbitrary and horribly designed hidden items and dungeons required for completion. Even with a guide, the game simply doesn't offer enough to offset its weaknesses. If you're playing uh, to complete the entire series or learn more about the history and do not mind relying on strategy guides, heavily give it a shot. Otherwise, you may want to pass. I think with three, I, I think I could bump up the recommendation a little bit more, but it's pretty much the, the same as far as still being hampered by what you feel like or some arbitrarily hidden items. There's more going on there. There's more to like. There's a town, for example, where I failed to mention the town where it's really, really cute and ahead of its time, but it, there's this guy trying to start a new town. He asks you if you'll you know, drop somebody off to help him build the town. You can drop off one of your party members. They need to be a merchant class, or you can go create a new one at the Heroes Guild. I created a new one, and I highly recommend you do that because you're going to be without this guy or girl for a while. So I gave him, ironically enough, I made a girl. I named her Samantha. Ha! And um, and uh, and when you go back and you visit it, every time the, the, the place is getting bigger and build bigger, next thing you know, there's paved streets and a theater, and they're calling it Samanthaville. And there's a story that develops, and it was interesting going back to that town every couple of nights and seeing what was going on, and and that was super cute. I mean, there's there's definitely more things to love, uh, you know, about this game if you're playing the SNES version. I think you're looking at the GameCube, GameCube, Game Boy Color. I, I don't know how you guys did it. 
there's such little screen and there's little text and it looks very cramped and stuff. Um, but uh, probably big factor when I didn't get as far as I could have. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would definitely that would definitely like I that would definitely give you a claustrophobic feeling even in a game that for the most part becomes open ended. But uh but you know, it's more sugar on the cake. I think it's uh more compelling, but it still comes with those in my opinion, still comes with the caveat that you either gotta have a crap ton of free time, like you said, Mike, to press buttons on everything or figure out these archaic clues that some of these people leave. Or um or, or you're just one of those people who don't mind using a hint guide for like the last half of the game uh, to hit those major points. At which point it becomes a pretty linear experience and it loses some of its appeal, in my opinion. I, I hate using guides, period. So in my opinion, it loses a lot of appeal. But, um, but uh, you know, I could see why the Japanese loved it, especially back then when you, when you didn't have anything else to do with your time. You know, that was one of the few RPGs that was out on the market. And so... You know, maybe pressing a bunch of buttons and figuring things out and talking it back and forth. I, I think my brother and I did enjoy sharing what few things we did figure out between each other. Like, well, did you figure out this out? No, where'd you find that? Oh, I found it over here, bro. So we, we did have some of that kind of stuff going on. So anywho, but that's Dragon Warrior 3. I'll have a full, nicely worded uh, review coming up soon. Uh, and you'll be able to see that on our blogs as well as on my or on our forums as well as my blog. And now we're working on Dragon Warrior Four, which uh, which will be super interesting because I do know for a fact I remember very clearly beating that game without a without a strategy guide when I was a teenager. So the question is, can I can I do that, or will I still have the same complaints? We'll find out. Uh, and I've got to have that be by the end of this month, October. So I have a lot of flying to do. I have. I, I have high hopes that I'll be able. I've already got a head start on it. Um, I'm already eight hours, nine hours in, and it's not even October first yet. Ha ha. Anywho, so that's uh, that's our RPG track uh, thing. Worth playing if you don't mind using an FAQ, and I would highly recommend the fan translated SNES version. If you want more details, you can uh, you can private message me on our forums or shoot me off an email jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com. Uh, and I'll tell you where I found that little boy at. But that that was worth playing versus the Game Boy version or the NES. NES version, I think, would be easier to look at if you had to do that. More screen space. But the, but the Game Boy Color version had uh, had the tweaks. The Game Boy Color version, the SNES version, by the way, are a little bit better, from what I understand, have a little bit more additional competent, a little, little better balance or translate or something like that, too. So that's something to keep Looking in mind. Looking at hardcore gaming right now, apparently the Thief was not in the original NES version. That's what it is, yeah. And the, the, thief, uh, the thief has the... Uh, I can't remember if there was holy water in the... I want to say there was. But the thief had the skills to reduce your encounter rate, which I used multiple times when I was getting frustrated with some of the dungeons and running low on magic points. Uh, plus, he has the ability to instantly bring up random encounters, which I use a lot when I just want to grind. I love that. Every Dragon Warrior RPG needs to have the instant encounter and the slow it down encounter skills. So, and unlike, you know, it's funny. We were talking about this with Bravely Default, how they have the sliders. I, I just like Dragon Warrior's approach better because it was a skill you unlock by leveling the thief, which wasn't that hard to do. But it kind of, in a weird RPG sense, it makes sense that the thief can at least help the party sneak. 
And if he's also a tracker, maybe he gets enemies for you easier for random encounters. I, I don't know. But that to me was a little bit more immersive than a, you know, a little slider that I stuck up and down. Anywho, all right. Well, uh, it's getting uh, getting late, so we're going to go ahead and move on to our next segment. After we say, Mr. Apps, do you need to, to head out for bed? Oh, here he headed out. Uh, so we say goodnight to Mr. Apps. <laughs> I saw his message. Good night, Good night. We just said good night to you on the show. Um, so yeah, Mr. Apps, um, thank you for being on the show. Hopefully, hear, hear my thanks when he maybe he goes back and listens to it. Ha ha. Whew. All right. So we'll be right back to wrap this up with the final lap. Welcome back. This is the final lap. We wrap up by reading your comments, answering your questions, tell you what's coming up next, and share whatever happens to be on our mind. So our last episode, number 128, House of the Devil, elicited a few comments. Strawberry Eggs mentions that apparently an eight-month gap between appearances on the backtrack means I get unwanted amounts of attention. Ha ha. And you know what's really funny is we were talking about Devil Survivor 2 and right after we posted the podcast there was an announcement, right Mike? There was. It's almost as if we have a predictive effect on the world. You know, yeah, and I think I think I think Strawberry Eggs just and Cassandra Ramos just has that impact on the world. So yeah, we're going to get the uh the Devil Survivor 2 uh remake for the 3DS or report or re-release or whatever enhanced edition I think would probably be the right way to put on it 
Um, it's going to be, uh, I think it's called um, Shimegami Tensei Devil Survivor 2. Was there Shimegami Tensei in front of it? Uh, oh, who probably. knows? Yeah, probably. Uh, Devil Survivor 2 Break Record. So, there you go. Will it do that? Will it break a record? Yeah, break a record for the longest title if they if they haven't dropped the Shimigami Tensei, you know, header on that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Suik says, "All right, so I should skip out on Devil after listening to the show. I should skip out on on Devil Survivor Overclocked and grab Mugen Souls." Thanks for the tips, Mister Raps. Oh, he just jumped off too. Um, they say just uh, maybe kidding. Maybe that, that was a survival instinct on his part. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. I've eaten over clock. Time to have another go at it. Great show, guys. Um, so uh, thanks for the shout out. You were hammered, and I appreciate. It. We were hammered. It had a little vodka. That's not being hammered. It takes like a bottle of vodka to get me hammered. Okay, because I have like a twenty-eight constitution. I'm high con score. Just putting that out there. Oh no, Wheel says, ha ha, Mugen Souls did bad things to my brain. Uh, Becky says, Ocelot says, Mugen Souls 2 wasn't so bad, as long as you could stop playing whenever you felt like it. I sure wouldn't... Yeah, I sure sure wouldn't want to have to complete the game. Well, and you know, that's a logical statement. Maybe as long as you can stop playing whenever you felt like it meant that you stopped often. Yeah, uh, I'd be curious to know exactly how many hours she spent playing it in total before saying, yep, I've played enough. I don't need to play anymore. Yep. Ballad says, great show. I really like the game. I thought amazing. A game with real character development and not afraid to show negative mental issues, problems. The timer on the character's head gave it much tension. I love the the whole tension thing with the timer above their head. The scrambled uh, for limited resources and human tragedies developed the characters. It's a real crucible. In fact, I had to play it in small doses because it was so heavy. I don't want to delve into the metaphysical or and philosophical questions posed by the interactions between the summoning humans, etc., but it is interesting, and it's there. I didn't finish the game, but I got to the final kind of boss kind of area, but I still enjoyed it. Yes, the difficulty spikes got me. I grinded a bit, then gave up. I'm going to go read the, uh, uh, read the other article on the new DS version now. You know, this, 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 this brings up, so I just recently... Uh, finished, and I use that in quotation marks, Shimigami Tensei Strange Journey, Mike. And uh, I got all the way up to you the have, final boss. You have been playing this one for a long time. For a long time, and I, I, I put my hands in the air and say, white flag. Because I grinded up my characters, I took the time up to get them to, like, I want to say 80? And uh, mixed up the best monsters I could mix up. And went after boss, and she killed me in three rounds. I bought the best armor I could buy. I bought the best weapon I could buy for my hero. I'm going all out on whatever item use I can use that could possibly swing the battle in my favor. I... I looked at an FAQ afterwards, and it said it recommended like these three demons you could summon up that he gives the codes for. But I'm not even sure that would help me, Mike, because well, there's two things it said in the FAQ. Um, there's the three monsters, and I'm not sure those would help me because it was my main character that died on round three. <laughs> <laughs> and you know how Shimigami Tensei games work, don't you, Mike? 
I do. Yeah. We, do, do we really have to tell it again? No, I, we don't. I, I think we covered that. I'm, I'm trying not to get excited tonight. I, I want to go to sleep instead of being driven mad through anger all night. The second thing it said was that, you know, that there's certain skills that the enemy uses that can, surprise, surprise, kill your instant character instantly. So these these rare items you need. And and they're not on sale in the store. If you know how Shimigami Tensei Straight's journey works, you know that unlocking items in this game is not the easiest thing in the world. I, I guess like, okay, now I don't have it in me to grind up more levels and, and go on these wild um, scavenger Easter egg hunts trying to figure out how to unlock these certain weird items that I need just for the big boss, you know, at the end. If leveling five extra levels before the boss and having the best armor that money can buy and having the best demons I can mix up, if that doesn't keep my character alive through three rounds out of a two-stage boss... I, I didn't even get up past the first stage. I didn't even get into her hit points. No way. Just, no, no. Stick a fork in me. I'm done. But I, I did get some enjoyment. I'll do, uh, I'll talk more about it later. I think it might be on the next show. I've already talked enough this show and it's getting late. Um, But uh, but yes, uh, balance. It's pretty funny because uh, that's kind of how I felt about Strange Journey. Got to the end. Pretty, kind of enjoyed the experience. Definitely. There was a lot of things to enjoy about it. I'm glad I did it. Just not going to be able to do the final boss. I'll watch the ending on YouTube. Uh, Victor, <laughs> which we can say because we're in the 21st century. Victor says, you folks mentioned this in passing, but I like to emphasize that players who switch between characters in their first playthrough of Code of Princess will be punished with forced grinding, which we actually, ironically enough, talked about this uh, on the show today. Levels. Yeah, we didn't talk about it in the last show because that was just supposed to be a tease for what we were talking about this time. Right. Uh, levels and to a lesser extent equipment are just too important, especially for escort missions, where the only way to keep suicidal NPCs alive is to exterminate the enemies as quickly as possible. There is one stage that can be used to quickly grind low-level characters, but it isn't unlocked until late in the game. Code of Princess is still pretty fun, if rather show short. And Texai says, hey guys, great shows. I've got three questions for y'all this time. I'll stick overclocked on my backlog. I think my wife played some of the first one back in the day. I remember she liked it and said that it had a really different feel from the other games she had on the DS at the time. I remember looking at your poster, Tech Side, and I remember thinking, you know, you said you were going to ask three questions. <laughs> I didn't see any questions. I, I, I'm thinking that's him escalating uh, the comment Scott made last time <laughs> when he said, I've got two questions for you, and he only asked one. So now he's got three questions and he asks none. So that's hilarious, Techside. Uh, two thumbs way up. What for, will he have next time? Four and he'll ask negative one? What would that be? That he'll, would be- he'll, he'll say he's got four questions, but he'll actually answer somebody else's question. <laughs> so uh, hilarious, uh, Techside. Keep it up. You can join in on the conversation at board.rpgamer.com. Go to rpgamer.com and click or, or or go to rpgamer.com and click on the forum link located on the left-hand side. And uh, you can join this. It's under We always put those under latest discussion, um, uh, the, the latest, latest uh, updates, I mean board, gaming discussion, latest updates, and uh, you can find our RPG backpack threads there. If you're listening to our previous shows, just a reminder, if you're going into our backlog, because now we're up to like 130 shows, uh, and you want to comment on the old shows, you can do that. But always comment on our most recent episode threads. You can just reference that old show. Hey, I was listening to episode 100. You guys said this, had a question. 
but uh, but we don't like uh, ne- ne- uh, raising up old threads apparently. Um, also on our uh, forums under Square Enix, there's a there's a there's a, a board just for Square Enix games. That's where you'll find my RPG trek, uh, where we're all talking right now about Dragon Warrior three uh, and the such. Uh, moving on to Dragon Warrior four. Anywho, uh, Mister uh, Mister Mike, is there anything on your mind that you want to share tonight? Uh, you know, I had a I had a retro review for Eve's Origin written, written up. It was already to be posted last night, and then my computer decided to display an utterly black screen, and it continues to do that. So, anybody who was, I was hoping to have that up for this episode so we could mention it. Say, hey, look at that, look at that fresh Eve's Origin review, but. Apparently, I sacrificed something the wrong way and prayed to the wrong computer gods. Kiva. So that, that that does tell you that I've been playing a lot of E's Origin lately, and um, you know we did that E show a while back. That's the we had to do another E show because there have been a few games that have come since then. Hmm. Uh, I have played a little more Vagrant Story. Um, an effort to get along there. Honestly, even if you're constantly consulting facts, playing Vagrant Story feels like work. Hard work. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad you, you brought... And I guess we're talking about next show, right? Yeah, I don't have a lot to say. Even uh, if I don't play any further. You know, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll hold off on my, on my, on, on my thoughts until then. Then, <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to play Pier Solar for review for the site, and mm-hmm. I still plan to whenever my computer works, because it's very hard to play it if you're. It's very hard to play a game on Steam if your computer is having problems. That is true. I didn't even get to start the game, so I can't tell you anything about it except, hey, there, there's a game called Pier Solar. I'm going to play it eventually. I hope you do. Uh, now, now you, you mentioned on the Ease game, were you saying that, because uh, I, I think my, my earphones cut out for a second there, did, did you say uh, that that you were working on the review, but your review is stuck on that computer? I finished it. It was proofread by several people. And I can't post it because I need a computer. To... But, but you don't have access to what you already wrote up and proofed. No, I, I can find the file. I can, I can just go into my own email folder and look at what I sent to people. Oh, uh, okay. I did, I did manage to get the proofed version up. It just hasn't been indexed. And I, don't know. And I can't access the staff functions right now because I... Uh, yeah. But it's, okay, well, uh, okay. So, okay, I had... I was going to say uh, uh, just a, a real quick plug for, uh, you know, if... Uh, uh, for Dropbox, have you ever used Dropbox before? I have a couple of times. Yeah, I, I do. All, I was just gonna say if you had, if you, I thought you were asking, you know, as far as maybe a solution for that type of stuff. You know, yeah, I use Dropbox to save all my text files. So if my one nice thing is if my computer goes down, my text files are all in the in the cloud, and that's worked out really, really well. But yeah, it's not gonna <laughs> help you actually get the stuff posted, and so you're right. You still gotta have a a computer actually post it all up. 
it's on the FTP. It's ready for somebody to post it, and I don't see anybody else doing it. It's my thing. Uh, well, if, if nobody gets to it this weekend, perhaps you can call me up and talk me through, and I can press whatever buttons need to be pressed. You, you might have to remember your your site password, I'm afraid. I think I well, I have the FTP. Uh, yes, okay. I do. I do have all my passwords. Yeah, tight ca- bad kitty. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> Sometimes the cats can't get along. Anything? Uh, um, anything else on your mind? Watch the 2008 Hulk. You watch what? You remember the Hulk from 2003 with uh, Nick Nolte as the Elder Doctor Banner and uh, Sam Elliott playing Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, I mean that's a classic. Who hasn't seen that masterpiece? I hadn't hadn't seen it until now. And you were blown. Your life's been changed now, right? Right. Not quite that dramatically, but I don't get the hate it got at the time. My only, you know, I've never, I've never been a fan. I've read through all the comics, and I, and I still, you know, what's funny is. I don't understand where the Hulk love comes from because the comics really don't paint him as a super awesome person or character or whatever. But I really enjoy the '80s television show and and uh, with with their late '70s, early '80s with Bill Bixby. I, I, to me, that's the definitive. That's what made me care about the character because he seemed more like a you know a victim who was well, kind of half victim. He took responsibility. I mean, he took responsibility because he caused his condition. But then, you know, he's living through it and just taking ownership and stuff. I, and he just portrayed so well. Anyways, for the movie, which felt more like the comic, because now they can do more. They can they can show Hulk beating up tanks and stuff like that. I felt that that movie did the best job I've seen of really showing the, the comic book side of Hulk beating up the military and things like that. You really felt that that was the power of the Hulk. Well, I could watch that particular scene over and over again. And I might getting my Hulk movies confused. But what I didn't was that the one where he fights the uh the uh, uh the absorbing man at the end through his father or something like that? I get it. if that was the absorbing man, nobody ever mentioned it directly, but yeah. That's it's where he ends up in the water and stuff and, and, and like, somebody somebody tosses a nuke out. Yeah. Yeah. That that was the worst ending. I I I still am trying to like I got to go read an FAQ to find out what the hell happened. If I have to read an FAQ for a movie, you did something wrong. It's just it's well then it's to a year later and you see uh, Betsy Ross no Betty Ross. See that's so easy to confuse. Uh, wondering where he's been for all this time because she doesn't think he actually died in the nuclear blast and you see him in some some jungle in South America and some mercenaries are doing something and he, he gets to say don't make me angry you wouldn't like me when I'm yeah. angry yeah, yeah. and then the camera pulls back out of the jungle and there's your ending so yeah. that part I understood what was going on I don't know how the hell we got there from him being in the water when a nuke goes off but yeah, in the yeah, water, yeah. he somehow fight. I mean, it's just he read the comics. Absorbing man is definitely one of his foes. They've had some, you know, some pretty tough bouts here and there. But it, you know, it's ended a couple of different ways. Yeah, 
but water, nukes, where you can't tell what the hell's going on. And his father, he definitely, I think later on in the comics, they wrote in the daddy issues to kind of explain why he has this anger side to him. It was something that was kind of retconned in, I always felt, because it was never really pointed that way at the beginning. But hey, he never talked about his past at the beginning, so you can go ahead and fill fill that in and make that a reason as why he has this locked up anger in the and his transformation to the Hulk is like this hidden personality. There's sub- subdued subconscious coming out. Uh, you know, in the 90s and stuff, when they were exploring the side of him, it did give him some, probably some needed depth. But uh, but the idea that the Absorbing Man is his father, not only does it go away from comic canon, which, okay, I, I'm not a big canist when it comes to these movies. You got to do what's going to be most entertaining. But it's just, it, it just didn't make sense to, to, to me. They're in the water. They're arguing. He's like, take me all I can or something like that. It was hard to even tell what the hell was going on in the water, and then something about the nuke. Yeah, but yeah, I agree with you. I didn't really, uh, yeah, don't quite get the 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 hate. It had a crappy ending, but for the most part, it was, yeah, it was okay. I especially like the big fight scene with all the tanks and stuff. That felt like a real, you know, lifted out of the comic book Hulk smash and beat up the military, you know, thing. Yeah, the first action scene, I, I don't know where they came up with the idea of having his dad make a hulkified dog, but that was different. I've never seen that before. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I don't... Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember if the CG was bad on that or not, but I, it must have been okay if I didn't, didn't walk away with the super bad memory of it. Lots of, I'm sure it's a lot of CG, fighting CG there, the mutated dogs against Hulk. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> it's a CG that's, fest. That's What's that? What's that, Mike? You there, Mike? Uh, so, do you have anything else for us, Mike? I better not. Alrighty. Well, I think I've uh, I've said enough for uh, for tonight with my uh, with my RPG truck. Um, so we'll see y'all on the forums and on our next show, which is uh, going to be about uh, Vagrant. I forget what the title is. I closed the window already, but it's going to be about Vagrant Story, right? Yes. And say what you will about that game. It is not cookie cutter. Nope, nope, not not in the least. Uh, so you get to hear all of our thoughts because we've got an entire show uh, dedicated to it. Uh, plus, I'll go into uh, more details about my thoughts about uh, Shimmy Gummitense, A Strange Journey, all of that, your comments, more guests, and a whole lot more on the next RPG uh, Backtrack, a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best community on the net. Uh, please feel free to write on our forums, write us email, jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com, or Odyssey at hotmail.com. At Twitter, I'm at JC Servant, and Mike is at Jumei Sin. And at Facebook.com, you can look us up, RP Gamer Group. We are RP Gamer something forward slash Facebook.com forward slash RP Gamer. And talk to all of the people from RPGamer.com. Uh, Mr. Mike, put us to bed. I think the best way to do that is with a boot to the head. Boot Good to night, the head. Yeah, yeah. Boot to the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good night.